Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
right. Good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stafford. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is September 3rd, 2015. And uh, let's see, it's about seven minutes after noon Pacific. If that's when it is where you're at, we are, in fact, live. And uh, being live, you can call in 800 932 can also go to the chat room located at our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You'll see the chat link. Click that, follow the instructions. You're in there. It's easy. People are fairly friendly and uh, can ask questions in there. I'm looking right now. There's only a few people in there. Hey, you could just chat with them, too. You know, I, I mean, you don't have to talk about what I'm talking about, but it is rude to just come in there and push your own agenda, you know, in complete you know, disregard for what's going on. Anyway, you can also contact me directly through Yahoo Instant Messenger. The screen name is A-V-R-N Talk. All right, there you go. There you have it. Well, looks like uh, Donald Trump is just uh, caved in. That's right. Donald Trump and Rents Previous have a deal. That's right. The Republican frontrunner announced at a press conference on Thursday that he signed the loyalty pledge the GOP sought and will support the eventual Republican nominee, whoever that may be. Really? Thanks, Donald. You're over. Oh, oh, wait a minute. You're fired, okay? This guy just killed himself, okay? The deal, which was announced after a private meeting with Previous in New York regarding a party-sponsored pledge that candidates will support the nominee. Now, that's all fun and games, folks, but there's a couple of states out there that are thinking about requiring a loyalty pledge in order to get on the ballot. Folks, I think that is probably illegal. But, you know, whatever. What does that matter, huh? Regarding a party-sponsored pledge that that candidates will support the nominee is a winner for Trump in the short term. It clears the way for his name to appear on primary ballots and addresses the concerns of Republican voters turned off by his initial unwillingness to pledge. You know, what kind of people are these, man? Look, if you're running for president and you're a Republican and you think you've got the answers, you think you can help this country, you're out there telling us George Bush is a scum, all these other people are idiots and sellouts and they've taken money from everybody and they don't work for you. And then, oh, you lose, so all of a sudden, well, I'll support one of the scumbags that doesn't work for you because I have to be loyal to the party. What are you, stupid? 
I mean, really, all you Republican bots out there, are you stupid? See, you know why this country's in the cesspool it is? Because of you. It's your fault. You've done this with your stupid little party politics and your little loyalty oaths and all this crap that, oh, we got to follow the leader. No matter what the leader says, oh, we have to support the troops. No matter how many civilians they kill, oh, we've got to do it because, why, we're proud Americans. And, 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 and yeah, God bless America because we murder 5,000 babies a day and we marry homosexuals. God bless America because we run around the world killing women and children. You think so? You're the problem. Unbelievable. I It really pisses me off. You know, loyalty oaths just on their face piss me off. You know what? As long as you earn my loyalty, you'll have it. The minute you stop earning my loyalty, you don't have it anymore. I won't take any oath to be loyal to you, regardless of who you are and what it is and anything else. I mean, really, what kind of a person who wants to be the President of the United States would ever consider taking a loyalty oath to support somebody you don't even know who it's going to be yet. You're going to support a platform that hasn't even been made yet, but you're going to sign a loyalty oath that, yes, I will do that. What kind of a president is that? Oh, but it's not just Trump. They all signed it, okay? Trump's just a big deal because he was the only one that said, no, I'm not going to promise that. I just wanted fairness from the Republican Party, Trump said. I will be totally pledging my allegiance to the Republican Party. Oh, yay! Totally pledging my allegiance to the Republican Party. Not you people. No, not you people. The Republican Party. Trump tried to head off speculation that the RNC traded something for his signature. Well, do you think Trump just gave it up? I don't think so. I don't think so. Unless they've got some goods on Trump that would put him in jail. He's not giving his signature to any loyalty oath unless he's getting something in return. What did I get for signing the pledge? Absolutely nothing. Really? Again, I've got to ask, well, what kind of a pledge president is that? I mean, hey, here we are criticizing Obama because he made a deal with Iran where we got absolutely nothing. Oh, everybody's all pissed off about that. All you little re- Republic bots out there are all, oh, that dirty, rotten Obama. Oh, it's a national security. He's unloyal. He's unpatriotic. He's un-American. Blah, 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 blah. As you wrap your little head so tight with the American flag, you can't even think. Your boy Donald just did the same thing. Oh, really? He just signed a deal and got nothing in return? Wow, there's a smart businessman, a real deal maker, huh? You see, just the other day, I was somewhat favorable towards Trump. But today, no. Not at all. Not at all. And what's the, what's the option? Okay, 
So I signed a pledge. So what? When the time comes, I'll break the pledge and do what I want. Oh, okay, so you're dishonorable. Now, hey, <laughs> dishonor among thieving, lying scumbags. Well, you know, I mean, what are you going to do, right? But still, again, what kind of a... Pre- oh, wait. What kind of a president is that? That's exactly the kind of U.S. president we've always had. One that makes deals and then breaks them? The United States government has never, ever stuck to a deal ever with anybody. So keep that in mind. Anybody out there, any individual, any country, anybody out there that wants to make a deal with the United States government? uh, I have news for you. They are going to screw you over. Why? Because they have screwed over everyone, every time, anywhere, anytime, anybody has ever made a deal with them. And he said he could not envision circumstances that would lead him to tear up the pledge. Really? Rival campaigns, however, were already griping about the very idea of a pledge. Yeah, now they're griping about a pledge? Oh, it was okay when it was just Trump and it was just words, and now we got to sign a pledge? With one advisor saying many of the campaigns have ridiculed the RNC's loyalty oath among themselves. We're all going to sign it, but it's meaningless because it's not binding and Trump is going to do whatever he wants anyway. See... The other little weasels that are running for president in the Republican Party. Okay, so, oh, they made a big deal. A big deal when Trump said, I'm not, I'm not agreeing to that. Oh, big deal. Oh, well, he's not loyal. He's not loyal. Of course, we all pledge our loyalty, but then they admit it doesn't mean anything. These guys are just a bunch of weasels. We're all going to sign it, but it's meaningless. What? Wow. Trump, who has led the GOP field in poll after poll, has long viewed the threat of a third-party candidacy as priceless leverage, and even used... That word when he refused to take such a pledge in the first debate. But he agreed to the pledge to avoid complications in getting listed on primary ballots and to take away an attack line in the next debate. Well, I get the primary ballot thing, but you know what? Trump should have filed suit and said, wait a minute, you can't keep people off the ballot for not signing a loyalty oath. Loyalty oaths are un-American, folks. They are unconstitutional. They are un-American. Man, it's just... Welcome to Nazi America, man. Loyalty oaths? Really? Man, it's one thing for a business to have a non-disclosure agreement. It's another thing for the government or political parties to have loyalty oaths. How much longer until Obama comes up with his own personal loyalty oath like Hitler did? His decision is a sign that he increasingly wants to show his campaign is real and not a stunt. A stunt? 
you see you see how the media portrays third parties oh the whole idea of a third party is a stunt it's a stunt folks the two party system is absolutely broken it needs to be dismantled thrown away this is just unbelievable now you see now the Republican Party now has them signing oaths. Yes, oaths. I will support the party. I will support the platform, even though we don't have a platform yet. I will support it, whatever it is, whoever it is, whatever it is. It's the party. The party must survive. The party, party, party. Yeah, well, so we have one party over here. We have another party over there, and they come up with their platform. And that's where everybody has to fit. Well, you know what? There's a lot more opinions in this country than just two, don't you think? So why are we all why are we somehow just relegated to two opinions when it comes to our, our politics, huh? Why don't we have the Socialist Party, the Libertarian Party, the Green Party, the White Party, the Black Party, the Mexican Party? Why don't we have all these parties? Huh? Why don't we do it that way? You know what? A lot more people would vote. The reason we have such pathetic turnouts for voting is because the people that don't vote look at both parties and can't find anything that they... No, I, I, I don't want to be a part of this party. I don't want to vote for any of them as this is what they believe in because I don't believe in... 80% of what they, either one of them believe in. I believe something else. And guess what? The majority of Americans do not vote. That's right. Why do you think, oh, is it a surprise? Do you feel like maybe the minorities in this country are running the joint? Homos are getting married? They're a, a tiny minority the illegals are getting a free reign. They're a minority. The blacks are allowed to just burn down towns and, oh, it's because uh, somewhere, sometime, somebody black was a slave. They're a minority. You know, does it seem as though the minorities are running the joint? Well, it should because the minorities are running the joint because the majority of Americans don't vote. And it's not their fault they don't vote. They don't vote because they're relegated to two choices. And if neither choice is palatable, they say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not voting for either one of these lying pieces of garbage. So the minority does, because you know why? The parties hold the minority point of view on both, on both sides. And the majority doesn't want to go along with it, so they don't vote. And here we are. The problem isn't, oh, apathetic Americans just don't want it. No. Oh, well, lazy Americans don't, won't work. No. Americans won't go to work every day and slave for eight hours for a paycheck that isn't enough for them to live on. What's the point? Americans aren't going to vote for pieces of garbage they don't believe in. What's the point? 
This is why people don't vote. This is why people don't work. It's not because they're lazy, and it's not because they're apathetic. It's because the choices suck. That's why. The problem's not with the people. The problem is with the system. And all you jackasses out there that want to get up and go burn down your neighbor's house or burn down the neighbor's business or burn down your own stinking house and your own stupid neighborhood, you're an idiot. They're not your enemies. You don't have to like them. They're still not your enemies. Your enemy is down at City Hall. That's where your enemy is. Your enemy is down at the police station. That's where your enemy is. Oh, and you white breads out there that think, yeah, that's right, those darn blacks. Yeah, well, guess what? Your enemy is at the city hall also. Your enemy is the police, too. You just got too much sugar in your system to realize it just yet. But you're going to get a rude awakening here pretty soon. And you know what? Nobody's going to be very sympathetic to you. Because you sat there and you supported the stinking system until it turned around and bite you in the behind. And then, oh, this is terrible. Somebody help me. Somebody file out some paperwork for me. Somebody help me in court. Somebody tell me what to do. And no, I don't have any money to pay you for your efforts because, well, uh, the government took it all. The lawyers took it all. The doctors took it all. And now I don't have anything. So help me, help me, help me for free. Screw you. I've been watching this for 25 years, and it's always the same story. Everybody comes rolling into the Patriot movement, broke and broken, wanting help from everybody, saying, well, I gave it all the lawyers, I gave it all the doctors, I don't have any more money, I'm sorry, but you got to help me. Yeah, spend 50 hours helping me do something for free. You're a Christian, aren't you? You've got to help me, don't you? Yeah, they use that on you, too. Well, I'm not falling for it anymore myself. You can go to jail. You can die. I don't care. You spend all your money on lawyers? (laughs) Don't ask me for any legal help. You spend all your money on doctors? Don't ask me for any uh, alternative health help. Hey, you know what? Go see a doctor. Go see a lawyer. Go talk to the people you gave all your money to. It's, uh, you know, somewhere along the line, you know, even the Bible tells you somewhere along the line you got to dust, knock the dust off your feet. You know, just say, I've had it. That's it. No more help. <laughs> you know, you're worthless. You're, you know, you're hope. You know, I can't help you. I don't want to say you're hopeless, but I can't help you anymore. You know, you're going to have to help yourself or find somebody else. So find another sucker. They go on. It's purely political. Oh, wow. What a surprise. From what I've seen, there are no legal ramifications, said Larry Noble, senior counsel at the Campaign Legal Center. Yeah, I don't think you can make uh, loyalty oaths legally binding yet. There are no penalties for not doing it, and I'm not sure why they would... uh, what they could do to him other than make a political issue of it. Well, it's a political campaign. Everything's political. Previous was uh, was accompanied by RNC 
staff strategist Sean Spicer, who has been closely involved in the negotiations. The meeting was delicately choreographed. The RNC waited to circulate the pledge until it looked like Trump was on board, and previous would not previous would not go to Trump's turf if he thought there was a chance he could be embarrassed. A top Republican source further explained Trump's logic. He thinks he could very well be the nominee. And with the pledge in place, the other candidates would have to support him. <laughs> uh, the text of the pledge goes like this. I, fill in your name, affirm that if I do not win the 2016 Republican nomination for President of the United States... I will endorse the 2016 Republican presidential nominee, regardless of who it is. I further pledge that I will not seek to run as an independent or write-in candidate, nor will I seek or accept the nomination for president of any other party. See, that's what they're really worried about. They don't really care if you support the candidate. They're worried that Trump would go third party. They know what Perot did to Bush. And they don't want that again. One of the most memorable moments of the first Republican debate came on the first question. Is there anyone on stage, and can I see hands, who is unwilling tonight to pledge your support to the eventual nominee of the Republican Party and pledge not to run an independent campaign against that person? Trump drew some booze when he raised his hand and explained, I am discussing it with everybody, but I'm, you know, talking about a lot of leverage. We want to win, and we will win. But I want to win as a Republican. I want to run, at, I want to run as the Republican nominee. I will not make the pledge at this time. So he's just playing games. You know. I get it. I get what he's doing. This is chess, and uh, yeah, it's all fun and games is all it is. But you know what? What Trump has shown is that he's not an honorable man. But we knew that, right? I mean, come on. He's a real estate mogul. <laughs> Gosh, that's like a used car salesman with a license, right? That's all. So, um, you know, here we are. The great white hope has shown himself to be dishonorable. And, uh, you know, what really bugs me, what he says, is that I pledge my loyalty totally to the Republican Party. See, that bothers me because if you're running for president, I expect you to be pledging your loyalty to the American people. And if you can't do that, then say, well, to the Constitution of the United States. I'm pledging my loyalty to that document. That's a little less meaningful, but hey. But he didn't. He pledged his support and his loyalty to the Republican Party. To the party. Well, how much longer till we're all goose stepping down the street, you know, uh you know, oh boy, hey, this is a great idea. How much longer until 
Oh, you got a job at the gas station? Well, let's see. Uh, how much longer until you have to sign a loyalty oath that, uh, you know, you'll support all the decisions that the gas station makes and you will never, you promise never to go work for another gas station, ever. How much longer? Regardless if they fire you. Because really, folks, this is what the Republican Party is saying. Oh, you want to be the nominee? Okay, have a chance. But if we say, no, you're not, meaning you're fired, you you have to still be loyal. You have to support the new employee. How much longer till till businesses start doing this, if this is allowed to continue? Huh? We'll take a break. We'll be back in a bit. Yeah, man. 
Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family. have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Face. 
loyalty to the party rather than loyalty to the people. Do you realize, do you realize how much support he would have garnered if he would have said, I can't sign this oath that, for one, has me pledging my loyalty to, one, a candidate that I don't even know who it's going to be, a platform that hasn't even been made, and you're telling me that I should be loyal to the party rather than the people in the Constitution. I'm sorry, I can't do that. My loyalty lies with the people. You don't think the people would have responded to that? I think they would have. And they're going to respond to this too. Trump's going to lose points for this. People thought he was going to lose points for his debate because, you know, he could have done better, but he did he did fine, man. He did fine. He could have done better. He didn't lose any points. He's going to lose points on this. People are going to realize you're just another stinking politician. You used car salesman deal scum. Now, with all that said, with all that said, some of you out there are going, oh, my gosh, you're, you know, oh, my, you're slamming the great white hope. Others of you are saying, good, you finally came to your senses and realized Donald Trump's no good. Look, I didn't just come to my senses to find out Donald Trump's no good. I've known Donald Trump's no good probably longer than you have. Okay, I thought Donald Trump was no good. Oh, do you remember a guy named Mike Tyson, Iron Mike Tyson? Do you remember that nobody nowhere could beat him? He was knocking people out in 15 seconds in the ring? Do you also know that Donald Trump forbid him, would not allow him to fight in any of his venues? Do you know why? Because the House wasn't winning anymore. Okay? There was a time when nobody, nowhere, was betting against Mike Tyson. You want to go bet on that fight? Everybody's betting for Tyson. Tyson comes in, knocks the guy out in 30 seconds. Bang. Everybody gets paid. See, that's bad business for a casino. And Trump said, no. You know, and I believe this is why Mike Tyson threw that fight in Tokyo. You think that guy really beat him? No, he didn't. Tyson threw that fight, man. That's why they did it in Tokyo, outside U.S. jurisdiction. It's so the casinos could get paid back for all the money they lost from Tyson's success. And apparently Tyson couldn't live with it in his career you know, tumbled into the dirt. That was Trump, okay? So I haven't liked Trump for a long time. I haven't trusted him for a long time. You know, but, now here's the but, and it's a big but. Donald Trump is by far the best choice the Republican Party is offering. And that is truly sad. 
I mean, that, that is really a sign of America. You can get excited about them. You can cheer and go rah, rah, rah all you like. Donald Trump's a dirtbag. He's a used car salesman. And he is by far the absolute best choice the Republican Party is offering. And, you know, look, man, don't even get me started with the Democratic Party. Come on. They're offering you Hillary Clinton or a socialist. Really? Wow. There you go. What a great... Oh, boy, that's that's just great, right? Big problems, folks. We got big problems. But let's get to some other stuff that's real big problems. Now, you know, the homosexuals on the uh, Supreme Court said, oh, you've got to uh, marry sodomites. Well, there's one clerk in Kentucky that said, I ain't doing it. Kentucky clerk was found in contempt of court today for her refusal to issue marriage licenses in wake of the Supreme Court decision to allow sodomites to wed. U.S. District Court Judge David Bunning placed Rowan County clerk Kim Davis in the custody of U.S. Marshals until she complies saying fines were not enough to force her to comply with his previous order to provide the paperwork to all couples and allowing her to defy the order would create a ripple effect. Well, I'm going to say something here, and I'm going to couch it. So listen closely. I believe, okay, I believe This doesn't mean I'm encouraging anybody to do anything. But it is my belief, it is my opinion, that the very best thing to happen would be for U.S. District Court Judge David Bunning to be eliminated. And it is also my opinion and my belief that his replacement if goes the same route, should be eliminated also. When you're going to start jailing people, now listen, the United States Constitution and every state constitution has protections for religious beliefs. There is no such provision in the Constitution for homos to be married. Or anybody else for that matter. Do you know why? Because when the Constitution was written, marriage had nothing to do with the state. The state's got no business being in anybody's marriage anyway. But you see, this is one of these other words that they have just shanghaied and said, Oh, well, hey, just like United States. You all think when they say United States means the several United States of America? It doesn't. Well, it doesn't necessarily, and most of the time what it means is United States Incorporated, the incorporated entity in Washington, D.C., 
created in uh, 1871. That's what it usually means. And that's far different than the several states of the United States of America. And the marriage they're talking about is not a biblical marriage. It can't be a biblical marriage. For one thing, there's not three parties involved in a biblical marriage. For two, the state is not involved in a biblical marriage. For three, a biblical marriage would never, can never, does not allow for sodomites to be married. So obviously, this is not a biblical marriage. And oh, by the way, marriage was created in the Bible. So, you know, I don't care what you believe. You can believe anything you want. But it was created in the Bible. So now uh, the state has come in. And now there's another question. This is happening within the state of Kentucky. Marriage, the Supreme Court ruled just two years before they said they reversed themselves. They, because when it came to defending marriage, they said, oh, well, we can't possibly uh, allow this law, this federal law that protects marriage between a man and a woman because the federal government has no jurisdiction within marriage. It is a state issue, traditionally, and by our law. And then they came by and said, oh, we've changed our mind. Now it is in our jurisdiction, and we are deciding homos can be married. I'd like to know how exactly, where is the federal jurisdiction to come into a state, interfere with state business, arrest state officials, and it's not even a law, okay? It's not even a law. It's a court ruling. There's no federal law that says, oh, you've got to marry homosexuals. It's a court ruling. They don't make law. And if they do, they make federal law. Now, people can say, well, uh, you know, federal law trumps state law. No, it doesn't. Federal law only trumps state law on federal property within a state. Federal law, now, and I'm giving them a lot of leeway here because really the Postal Service is a, a, a quasi-government entity. They're not really federal, okay? They're a corporation the federal government created, which makes them a separate entity. They're not really federal. But what the federal government likes to say is, well, what we've done is we've taken this and we've created a corporation and uh, we're the federal government and we've created a federal government. Uh, we've created a corporation, which is a person, and that person is a federal person. So if you work for that federal person, you're working kind of like for the federal government, although you're not really. But let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and say, OK, the post office is federal. Well, good. Federal law trumps state law on post office property. But nowhere else. And you know what? Federal law does not 
trump state constitutions. Okay, that never is true, ever. And the federal constitution is like, well, building codes, all right? It is. It's like a building code for the state because, you know, everybody thinks, well, hey, I'm so proud and I'm so happy and I'm so, uh, my building was built to code. Woohoo! Hey, bad news, Pally. Here's a news flash for you. State building codes are the bare minimum. That's like bragging about you got some brand new job and you're making minimum wage. Woohoo! Yeah, baby! Yeah, just because your building's built to code, I wouldn't brag about it, man, because that is the bare minimum acceptable. That doesn't mean the place has been built well. It means it's been built to the bare minimum standards. The U.S. Constitution is that. The Bill of Rights in the Constitution of the United States is that. It is the bare minimum. It's what all the states must at least adhere to. And if you'll go read state constitutions, some are better than others. But most of them will come to a point where you will realize, wait a minute, in this, in this regard, my state constitution gives me more protections than the federal constitution does. Yeah. Yeah. Federal law can never trump Constitution law, no matter where it's from. Because here's the thing. The states would not have been allowed into the Union if their Constitution was somehow a violation of federal principles. Okay? All but the 13, and they all agreed. Okay, here's our Constitutions. Yeah, this is cool. It's all good. Every other state that was admitted after the 13 had to submit their state constitution to the federal government for approval before it was allowed into the Union. So the state constitutions were all accepted as, yes, this goes along with the principles of the Union. And they are the supreme law in your state. Only to be superseded by the United States Constitution if you do something to violate that. That's it. That's how it works. Federal law can't touch a state constitution, and every state constitution gives people religious freedom, religious liberty. Okay? This is a violation. They don't have any jurisdiction they don't have any law hey where's the law what law are you relying on but they're not you see they're playing this contempt game all judges do this all the time as a matter of fact hey guess what you know all the people in jail for child uh for uh yeah child support very, very few of them are there because they were cited as a law where, oh, because you know why? That would be debtor's prison. And that's not allowed in America, right? 
No, no, we can't have a debtor's prison. But what we do is they come up with an order. They say, listen, you, you got to pay this much for your kids. Yes, it's more than you make, but hey, we don't care. And uh, you got to do it. So you don't do it because you can't do it. So you go to the judge and he says, I'm ordering you to follow this uh, agreement here. But I can't. I don't have the money. I don't, whatever. I don't care. I'm ordering you to do it. So you don't do it because you can't do it. He finds you in contempt and throws you in prison and says, you're going to stay there until you do what I ordered you to do. Now you have no job and you can't do it. Now you're in jail making nothing and you cannot follow his order and you will be there until hell freezes over. Nice, huh? But there's no debtor's prison in America. It's for the children! Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, folks, I gotta go. We got a full day coming up. Stay right where you're at. Thanks for listening. Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR 2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR 2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family.
ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. My co-host, Alfred Adisk, will be joining you after the first break at 4.20 Eastern Time, along with James Corbett of the Corbett Report, as they do most Thursdays. So let's begin with the market report for September 3rd, 2015. And uh, didn't get a lot of out of the gold market. I mean, this is a holiday week. Uh, most, a lot of children go back to school next week. So a lot of folks are on vacation this week. And uh, so I think from here on out, which is another day, but we've pretty much been seeing it as a quiet week this week. Gold was down 840 today at 1126. Silver's at $14.80. Platinum is down $10 at 1009 And palladium was also down 10 at 579 USDX today. Was that much stronger earlier in the day, as were the markets of the USDX? Was up 0.44 at 96.33. Crude oil was up 0.59 at 46.84. The paper markets today. Oh, come on. Here we go. Up 22 points, 16,373. NASDAQ down 16 at 47.33. The S&P up two and a quarter at 19.51. The 10-year, 2.17%. Euro, 111. So a lot of pressure on that euro. And uh, really, our dollar didn't move to that degree that the euro did 0.87 to the downside. Asian markets are closed for two days. So Germany was up almost 3%. London was up almost 2 Hong Kong was down. And Japan was basically flat. So, I mean, everybody is waiting for this uh, U.S. unemployment or the U.S. employment report, I should say, for August. Uh, They're expected to be up 200,000, slightly above uh, this report. And everybody's looking at this report as the most important economic report of the week. However, who's working? (laughs) So what, you know, how much impact is it really going to have? So I guess the ones that are working will really have to... uh, you know they'll they'll they'll, they'll be uh, have a lot of leeway, but uh, of course everybody is looking this uh, report as a way to try to foresee, try to guess, try to analyze, try to forecast uh, to see whether the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates for the first time again in the September meeting, which is what 17th, 18th, 18th, 19th, somewhere around in there. So this could be the determining factor. However, um, you know, you have, uh, you know, the IMF, we're going to talk about that just a little bit here. They're actually having their G20 meeting. Um, You know, you had the world stock markets, as I mentioned, the European and the Asian markets were a little bit uh, more firmer today. Uh, China's markets are closed for a Thursday and Friday. They have their national holiday, and they have that huge military parade. Remember, we talked about those monkeys, you know, how they were going to go up there and destroy those birds' nests so they can have a clean parade with all their big military machines, their machinery and so forth. So, uh, you know, so with that being closed, which means you would think Monday (laughs) – Mm. Uh, will be a pretty interesting day for all markets around the world. 
And uh, we'll have to see, you know, again, it depends on what that number is tomorrow. You might be able to see, you know, if it's a good number, you might see some follow through into China. And I would have to, if I had to think like they think, and I would, if I was planning to set things up, that's what I would do. I would come in with at least a good number for tomorrow, knowing that that's going to follow through when China opens after four days of being closed. And um, so, you know, they, they, that might take a little pressure off of China, perhaps, based on our numbers. Don't know, but if I was going to play it, that's how I would. They like to have good stock markets going into three-day weekends. Actually, I shouldn't say Monday. I should actually say Tuesday because we're actually closed Monday. Uh, so it's going to be um, China will be open. But our markets are closed, so eh, it could be an interesting, uh, I'll tell you what, if China tanks on Monday, uh, there will be a lot of pressure in our markets come Tuesday, regardless of what that report says tomorrow. So uh, I guess we can uh, you know, pick a card and uh, see what happens. Um, I mentioned the European stocks were firmer. Um, Many believe that the ECB, the European Central Bank, is going to announce more monetary policy stimulus. Um, Draghi's remarks at his press conference also gave the U.S. dollar index a further boost from an already higher price levels on the day. And, of course, if they announce more monetary stimulus, that would put a little more pressure on the euro, which would make our dollar go up, as we saw that happen today. And again, the IMF is out warning that the world's uh, biggest economies, uh, they're warning the world's biggest economies about raising interest rates too soon. There's just too many global risks, um, you know, because these advanced economies are just going to kill the emerging markets, but they've already done so. So um, they can, you know, further wipe them out of their misery. Um, This uh, warning came in a letter uh, to central bankers and finance ministers of the G20 group of leading economies. They are actually meeting in Turkey this week. And um, so, again, they believe that these higher rates would damage the fragile economic recoveries. Uh, We already know that Christine Lagarde in June said that the Federal Reserve should wait until 2016 before it raises rates off their historic lows. And um, this is what we can expect for the month of September. But um, today, Donald Trump, he decided to sign the loyalty pledge, the GOP. The GOP had uh, wanted him to sign and, and support. Remember, during that first debate, they wanted everyone to raise their hands if uh, uh, they would uh, stay with the Republican Party and, and not uh, think about uh going to a third party. He was the only one that did not commit. And so now today he signs the loyalty pledge saying that uh, um, he will support um, the nominee. Uh, If it's not him, whoever that may be, he will support them. And uh, what it also means by him signing this is if he is the nominee, then all the other candidates that signed the same pledge have to support him. So, but what's interesting is, is, is they continue to say the deal, the deal, the deal. And, you know, Donald Trump is all about deals. So, you know, 
I mean, this is what he, you know, I don't know. Anyway, interesting for a week with not too much news, except for the warships on the, the Chinese warships on the West Coast and the Russian ship on the East Coast. Kind of makes it interesting, but we're in the middle. But other than that, we'll talk about some news, but really there's not a lot of news this week due to the holiday. But not like what we've had. So it's kind of a quiet week. But uh, so he did sign that that uh, loyalty pledge. Uh, so he will not seek a third party. Um, but he does probably at this point believe he will be the nominee. And at this point, I think he believes he will be the next president of the United States. Personally, it's interesting, but I don't think he will be. But you don't know. Uh, the poor woman in Kentucky, a Kentucky county clerk, um, she was found contempt, in contempt of court today for her refusal to issue marriage licenses uh, in wake of the Supreme Court decision to allow gays to wed. Uh, uh, the uh, U.S. District Court judge placed her in custody of the U.S. Marshals until she complies, saying fines were not enough to force her to comply with his previous order to provide the paperwork to all couples and allowing her to defy the order would create a ripple effect. Her good faith belief is simply not a viable defense. Well, this is something we should probably remember, you know, when some of these other groups and parties, you know, try to throw upon us their beliefs and don't do things based on their beliefs that, uh, you know, maybe uh, it shouldn't, maybe their beliefs, uh, you know, I don't know, I guess they have a right to their belief, but uh, it's kind of interesting and, and prayers for her for sticking up for her faith. Uh, she says her conscience will not allow it. God's moral law convicts me and conflicts with my duties. And uh, so she has lawyers um, uh, based in Orlando, Liberty Council. Um, that represents her, argues that she met a legal test for protection under federal law because her convictions created a factual inability to issue licenses to same-sex couples. And you know what I found interesting about that? You have two, I don't know if they're gays or lesbians or whatever, you know, which, but two straight part, two straight couples too. There's four couples altogether that sued. And two of them were straight and two of them were gay. And um, so I'm thinking, why don't they just go to the next county for, if they're so much in love and they just want to get married, why don't they just go to the next county and get their license and be done with it? You know, I, I, I just don't. I mean, if I go into a store and someone doesn't want to service me, I'm not going to give them my business. I mean, why do I want to give them my hard-earned money if they don't want to service my request? I go elsewhere. And that's why I can't figure out why these people wouldn't just do the same thing. But no, but more kudos for her. A poor woman goes to jail because of her faith. But uh, So prayers, and make sure you folks say prayers for her, uh, her attorneys, and um, all of those that are involved. Um, I should have brought this up when I was talking to Donald Trump about Donald Trump. He had said that uh, in an earlier report this week that if Israel were to attack the Islamic Republic, 
that the United States would have to come to Tehran's aid. Uh, Trump's added an unconventional twist to this argument, suggesting that under the terms of the deal, the United States was required to fight alongside Iran if Israel were to attack. Uh, he says a lot of people that he's talked to to confirm this one way or another, he's, they, most people say yes. If Israel attacks Iran according to that deal, he believes that we have to fight with Iran against Israel. Well, I'm not so sure how that would work, uh, how that would actually play out, but uh, it is, you know, uh, again, there's more to these deals being, you know, made with Iran than uh, what they certainly allow most most of us to, to know what's going on. Um, but yesterday, the administration, Obama administration, secured the support of 34 senators for its landmark nuclear agreement with Iran, ensuring its safe passage for a vote scheduled in Congress this month. So, guys, you know what you have to do. Senator Barbara Mikulski, Democrat from Maryland, she announced her support for the deal. Um, She followed announcements from two Democratic colleagues, Senators Chris Coons of Delaware and Bob Casey, Jr. from Pennsylvania. So, you know, Congress can still vote and pass a resolution disproving of the deal when it reconvenes next week. Now that remains to be seen. We kind of know how they've been playing their game lately. So I, I, I probably, uh, I, I'll probably be busy with other things next week uh, to uh, do that. But uh, you know, they drag these agreements, these deals out, just like the trade agreements and so forth so they can cozy up and make their little deals with one another. You know, what What can we get for you? <laughs> what can we do for you today uh, so that you can vote along our line? So, again, it's just, um, I don't know. Um, we talk steadily all the time on a regular basis how the unemployment and wages or the lack thereof certainly are, are conflicting the real numbers conflict with reports um, that come out of Washington. Of course, we know that they lie um, to keep their little illusion going. But when you have conflicting reports, you know, it only shows you the cracks. That's why I think it's important to talk about the reports that they release. I think it's important to talk about them and show where the cracks are so you can understand. And, and when you're trying to explain the reports to someone else, you can explain you know, why they're not real, why they're not true, and this is why. And this is why I like to talk about these reports. Not so much that I believe what the government says about them, but to, but to remove the spin so that folks have a clear understanding so they can share this information. Because that's what it's all about. Sure, we're on here doing programs, and yes, we support the program. We support many programs by selling gold and silver. We don't do a lot of advertisements for a bunch of people. Uh, The majority of the hour that we do is is talking. It's not all commercials. Or we'd have to be here like everyone else three hours. Do you think a lot of these programs that have two and three hours is because they have that information to share with you? No, it's because they have a lot of commercials. So they have to go to two to three hours, two hours. These two-hour programs, 
they have as much information in two hours as we have in one. So uh, we don't do that. We don't have. We we don't ask for support. We don't ask for donations. We think. I think since I'm the owner of Discount Gold and Silver, that it's kind of like giving back, helping people protect their you know, hard-earned money through the difficult times and at the same, ca- same time providing an education because it's all about sharing the information. It's all about um, expanding your knowledge about all our, you know, constitutional and how's great for that, our social, our political, monetary issues. How can you talk to people about gold if you don't know anything? They'll just think, well, you're just one of those crazy, uh, you know, gold people. So it's uh, it's important, and that's what we do here. We try to educate others, and it's very important. So while I was getting to my point, I'm beginning to – no, I can't say that when Al's not here. I'll say it tomorrow when he's here. But uh, – so we have this supposedly steady gains in hiring. We have supposedly a falling unemployment rate and other signs of an improving co- economy. But then why are American workers' paychecks falling since this great economic recovery began in 2009? And I think we might have to talk about this a little bit tomorrow because I see that we're out of time. We're at the 420 mark where Alfred Adas and James Corbett will be joining you after our few short commercials. a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. 
visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Adams. This is Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver, 1-800-375-4188. Our guest is James Corbett. James is, uh, he is responsible. He's the editor, publisher, and uh, mastermind behind the Corbett Report, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, reports.com. He is publishing from Japan, where he's been living since uh, 2004. Been there 11 years and also editorial ready for the International Forecaster. Hello, James. How are you doing? Mastermind. I like that. Maybe I should add that to my official resume. I don't think that's something you can say yourself. Someone else has. Oh. You're going to have to quote me as saying that. I don't know if you can make that <laughs> claim yourself without uh, reaching a certain amount of problems. Got a, you know, Mark Faber did a, uh, was quoted in Fox Business recently. Just in the last couple of days, headline is Mark Faber. We have reached some kind of tipping point. That's interesting to me. <laughs> now, Mark Faber is a publisher of Gloom, Boom, and Doom Report, and he has a certain amount of you know, celebrity, credibility, whatever. And he says we've reached some kind of credi- tipping point, but he didn't define the tipping point. And the fact that he's vague about it. This is evidence to me that he knows something's happening here, but he can't precisely describe it. And what I'm wondering is, that, is can anyone be in charge of the U.S. economy or the global economy or the China's economy if we can't even clearly understand whether we are or are at a tipping point? Is is the confusion, the lack of precision, is it evidence of a lack of control and a lack of real understanding? Uh, it is a, a lack of control and lack of real understanding by people at anything other than the decision-making level, I would say. I would say that people who are in positions to actually make decisions that still influence the economy at a fundamental level are at least better prepared to be able to say what is or is not a tipping point because they are making that reality. So, for example, if you look at Janet Yellen and the Federal Reserve Board, who are making and deliberating, probably have already made their decision, for example, on whether there's going to be a a rate hike in the next two weeks, uh, or they're going to announce the rate hike, I should say, in two weeks at their FOMC meeting, that, that 
they are making that reality of whether or not this is a tipping point. So for people like Klopper or whatever, whatever, who are looking at this from the, the sort of the ground up and trying to speculate about what these people are deciding, of course it is. It's undecidable at our level. We can't really, we don't have access to those deliberations. We don't know what plans have been made. So we can't really say for certain what is or is not uh, coming down the line. Because as we've talked about before on this program, at this point, the economy is fundamentally a uh, all one giant manipulation by the central banks. The central banks mm-hmm. are at this point dictating the economy. So unfortunately, yes, it's impossible for people who are not privy to those conversations to say what is coming because we don't have access to it. We know the trends. We know what is likely to occur. And we know if they make this decision, then this has to happen, for example. But again, there are certain things that we just don't have access to at our level of, uh, of the, the information pyramid. But the way you describe it, then the reality is not necessarily something happening in the sense that the Earth is revolving around the sun at a fixed rate that we can calculate. The reality is whatever Janet Yellen and a handful of other people or whoever is in, whoever tells her what to do, they just throw a dart at the board today and say, okay, let's do that. We don't have... The implication is there's not a reality we can count on other than these guys, Madam, you know, uh, Wanda, the psychic, she's going to declare what the economy is doing today, and tomorrow she'll have another declaration looking in the crystal ball. It, it becomes just incomprehensible. It doesn't inspire confidence. Somebody's got to believe that, they, that we can understand what's happening here. Well, this is an important point to tease out, because economists like to believe that excuse me, that they are practicing some sort of science, some sort of precise Uh science, and that if you did, for example, a controlled experiment, if you could somehow do that with economies, then if you ran the numbers this way, this would happen, and if you ran them this way, this would happen. It really isn't that. And I think we have to understand that ultimately what the whatever kind of science you can apply to economics, it is fundamentally based on the monetary system, which itself is a belief system. You could liken it to a religion, I suppose, but at any rate, it is a faith-based thing that is participated in by a community of people agreeing or disagreeing on what is allowable for exchange. And in our current state of of the, the society we live in, the general consensus of the population is, well, money is whatever the central bank says it is. It's these pieces of paper. It's these uh, demand deposits, uh, ones and zeros in our bank account. That's what money is. That's what we operate on. And so they can manipulate that, that monetary reality, which creates economic realities. So in a way, they are creating economic realities by simply defining the, the fundamental base of what the economy is based on, money itself. And that's not to say that there is a, a real reality that they are creating in an objective sense, like they're creating new laws of physics. It's just that they can manipulate the fundamental rules of the game. So, of course, the game can ultimately play out the way that they want it to play out. It's when we collectively withdraw our agreement to that medium of exchange that they have allowed us to have uh, from their, their seats on high, when we withdraw our participation from that, that changes the game fundamentally in a way that they can't create reality. So, for example, if you're participating in a, in a let's program or an alternative currency or, or community currency or something of that sort, no, Janet Yellen does not have ultimate say over that and cannot dictate that reality. It's just that because we use the U.S. dollar and the Japanese yen and whatever else, 
they can manipulate that. And that's the basis from which this economics plays out. And that's why the economics that the economists are doing is not really science. It's not science based on immutable fundamental principle laws of nature. It's a sort of science based on the, fundam- the, the changing quicksand of whatever the, you know, the central bank wants to do with the money supply this week. So that's why I think we have to look at it more from a, maybe not a religious sense, but anyway, we have to understand uh, the, the economy that we live in as a, as a social creation that is currently being uh, manipulated by the, the leaders, uh, so to speak, in positions of power to manipulate that, uh, that monetary agreement. It seems to me that the fundamental... I agree with basically. I agree with what you're saying. I agree that the the economic system is a kind of social compact, and the foundation for that compact has to be the monetary system. Uh-huh. Um, but the fundamental idea behind that is, I am willing to take five hundred dollars from you as payment for, let's say, a rare book. I will accept that five hundred paper dollars. On condition that I, we know, you and I both know that tomorrow I'll still have, I'll be able to purchase as much with $500 tomorrow as I could today, or a week from now, or a month from now. The fundamental purpose of this currency, the, the fundamental point of trust is that I can take that $500, those 500 paper dollars from you on condition, so long as I believe and understand, I'll be able to sell it for same purchasing power in sometime in the near future. When, we, when the government and or the Federal Reserve start manipulating, if they reach a point where they manipulate enough where I begin to say, wait a second, <laughs> I, I think if I take 500 from you, I don't know if I can get $500 in purchasing power tomorrow or a week from now, which means you're going to have to pay me 600 or 700 or 800 because I don't trust that the currency will hold its value. And to me, that's the limit that they're running up against. How much manipulation can they yeah. do before people lose confidence that the, that the currency is going to hold its value? When they lose yeah. confidence, then what? Yes, and, and we see that quite clearly with the way that they've been keeping the rates down artificially low for year after year after year through this liquidity and easing um, as a way of getting people into precisely what they've gotten into, for example, into the stock market, ballooning them up to record levels. Why is that? It's because bonds are paying next to nothing right now. So in order to get any kind of return on investment, you've got to go into the equities markets. And that's precisely part of the reason that they are doing what they're doing and have kept rates down so low for so long is precisely to motivate that type of uh, economic activity, if that's what you can really call the, you know, the, the, the Dow Jones and the S&P, is if that reflects some sort of underlying economic reality on Main Street rather than just sort of Wall Street expectations. But yes, I mean, that's precisely what they're doing. They're trying to get people to realize that, you know, if you just put your money in a bank account, it's not going to earn you any money and you're going to lose via inflation. So you have to get it into the markets. If you're going to try to put it put into bonds, well, it's not going to pay you next to nothing. You have to put it into the market. So they're, they've been using that. And yes, you do come up against a certain point. I mean, after the zero interest rate policy, where do you go? And again, it's the negative interest rate policy. And how do you begin pulling that off? How do you enforce that? How do you get people to stop from taking all their money out and putting it under their mattress? So there is a lot of manipulation that has to go into this. And there are, yeah, there are certain physical limitations that you can't go less than zero unless you start going negative. So, uh, so yes, they, there are certain laws within the rules of the game that they've created 
there 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 are certain laws, but uh, but again, they get to change those rules. And if they want to try negative interest rates, that's you know, they, they can do that. We've got an article here from the AFP, which is the French press organization, and the headline is Brazil to keep key interest rate at fourteen and a quarter percent. Brazil's central bank is expected to maintain its key interest rate of 14 to quarter percent this Wednesday after seven consecutive rate hikes aimed at holding back soaring inflation. That's the theory. They're going to raise interest rates to hold back inflation. That's their theory. Now, this brings a bunch of questions to my mind. If the Brazilian economy can survive 14 and a quarter percent interest rates, why does the Federal Reserve fear raising the U.S. interest rate from a quarter of a percent to half a percent? <laughs> on the other hand, uh, on the one hand, a, a quarter percent increase seems trivial. On the other hand, a one-half percent interest rate is double what the one-quarter interest rate was. Uh, we've got a quarter percent interest. If we only raise it a quarter of a percent, another quarter percent to 0.5 percent interest it doesn't seem like much but it does double the interest rate exactly could it be that the reason they are so reluctant to double the interest rate even by raising a quarter percent doubles it does that impact the national debt is the national debt so huge that even a tiny rise from 20 point from a quarter of a percent to half a percent would double the interest rate on some or all the national debt and push the U.S. government closer to insolvency and bankruptcy? Is that what this is all about, or is it just, uh, why, are, why are we so concerned? If Brazil can survive 14 and a quarter percent, why is it that we might collapse if we go to half a percent? Well, I, this isn't just apples and oranges, it's apples and aardvarks. Uh, I think that the Brazilian economy is so fundamentally different. The monetary system is just completely different from the U.S., which, of course, is the world reserve currency. So when the U.S. makes an interest rate shift, it affects literally the global economy. When the Brazilian uh, real makes a shift, it's not exactly going to have shockwaves across the, the entire globe. So I think there's a difference in that perspective. And also, as you point out, I mean, the difference between raising a quarter percent when you're already at 14 plus percent versus raising a quarter percent when you're down at one quarter percent is a huge difference. It's, a, it's the difference between a tiny increase versus a doubling. So there's a difference there as well. And of course, we're talking about vastly different scales, the scale of the U.S. economy and uh, U.S. Uh, uh, treasuries and circulation. I mean, dwarfs by orders of magnitude the, the Brazilian situation, which is more more about domestic uh, ramifications. So there's all sorts of differences there as to why this is a fundamentally different thing. And ultimately, again, I think the U.S. government isn't going to default because they can continue printing as many zeros as they want. That's not going to happen. The only point at which there will be a default feasible is when people stop accepting U.S. dollars. And that's, uh, I don't think we're quite there yet. You know, I've accepted the idea for 20 years, probably. It's taken for granted that the Federal Reserve can print as much paper, as many paper dollars as they want. And therefore, they can inject them into the economy and we can have unlimited inflation if that's what they want. But I'm beginning to suspect that's not true. Because... The reality is those dollars are not simply injected into the economy. They are loaned into the economy, which means somebody's got to be willing to borrow. 
All right. I, it's not just a situation where if I were the Federal Reserve, I said, well, I'm going to print a trillion dollars today and I'm just going <laughs> to helicopter Ben. All right. I'm going to play helicopter Ben Bernanke and I'm just going to disperse all that money like Santa Claus. I'm going to spread it out to all the good little boys and girls and they're all going to get a trillion dollars today. Huh? But the system, the way I understand it, in fact, I have to find somebody who's willing to borrow that trillion dollars to get it into the economy. And that puts a little bit of a, you know, that puts a little stick in our spokes here. What if I can't find someone who's willing to borrow the trillion dollars? Right. Yes. No, I, you're right. I mean, people's understanding of how money is created and how it comes into the, the economy is woefully inadequate uh, to the task of actually describing that reality. So that, I mean, you're exactly right. The central bank doesn't just wave a magic wand and create a trillion dollars that's suddenly circulating in the economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they, there are different ways that this, this money can be created and, and uh, put in. But, for example, in quantitative easing, they're purchasing these toxic assets off of these banks so they're uh, paying for uh, treasuries and mortgages, or they were at any rate when the QE programs were in place, treasuries and mortgages and things, taking them off the hands of the banks and putting those uh, dollars that they create out of nothing into the reserve accounts of these banks. But even from there, the reserve accounts of these banks can't be used directly for lending to the public. So there's another layer of obfuscation before that gets anywhere close to where the people can actually, where it actually circulates in the economy. And it's not directly the central bank that's doing it, it's private banks. That uh, I mean, I guess you could argue what difference is there really between the Federal Reserve and the private banks. They're pretty much one and the same. But anyway. Well, the one difference is that the private banks are going to ultimately be lending this currency to the great unwashed. Yeah. And what happens if the great unwashed said, "Uh -uh. (laughs) we learned our lesson in 2007 through 2009. We're not borrowing anymore. Exactly. Now what? What, what the Federal Reserve really (laughs) does is incentivize certain behaviors so that if, for example, they are going to guarantee banks say we'll purchase all your toxic subprime mortgages that are probably going to go bust and we'll we'll take them off your hands and put real money in your reserve accounts for them then that incentivizes the banks to go hey great let's sign up a bunch of more people on these subprime loans and they'll start giving these ridiculous mortgages to people that that will never be payable um, Mm -hmm. to people who shouldn't be getting them and that incentivizes that kind of behavior that creates housing bubbles that creates crises so again i mean it all does come come down to the level of what the federal reserve incentivizes by their actions, but it's not I get you, but what effect. if the dogs refuse to salivate when uh, Pavlov turns on the light? Right. Yeah. There's the problem. Yeah. I mean, if the people, you, they won't borrow. We're putting, making all that money in the banks, but the people aren't going to borrow. Now what? How does the money get into and, the and economy? And this is precisely why the velocity of money has fallen to, to um, such low levels and is not created the type of inflationary wave that we would expect from trillions of dollars that have been created through quantitative easing. It's because that hasn't gone directly into the economy. It's because mm-hmm. the banks still aren't lending. Yeah. Uh, in fact, they're incentivized well, the people not are, to lend Are they not lending or the people not borrowing or both? Let's well, save the answer for that question yeah. for when we come back. We have to take some commercials. And James Corbett and I will be back on Financial Survival in just a moment. Please stay tuned.
aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at 35 If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Addis, here on Financial Survival with our guest James Corbett from the Corbett Report, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, report.com. When we closed out at the last commercial break, I had had a question that we would return to in the second when when the commercials were over. I have forgotten what that question was, James. Do you remember it? I believe the question is whether the banks weren't lending or people weren't borrowing. Well, yeah, that's right. Um, which which is coming first, or the chicken or the egg? The money is right. sitting there, and the, according to some reports, the banks are sitting on the money. Is it because they're holding it and they don't want to lend it, or is it because the people don't want to borrow it? I'm sure the answer is both, but which one is predominant? Well, to some extent, again, they're, they're uh, incentivized under rules that have come in since the last Lehman cra- crash to, uh, to hold their holdings in reserve at the Fed um, because they actually do earn some interest on that. It might be a tiny bit of interest, but they are actually incentivized to do so. And then the other side of that coin is, well, what about the borrowers? Are there motivated borrowers out there? So the, uh, the, the United States has deleveraged in household debt since the start of the 2008 crisis, but that leveraging is starting to ratchet up again, again, because of incentivization through various uh, governmental programs and regulations, and then the, uh, the, the, the lenders who are all too happy to lend to anyone and everyone when they know that they're going to be bailed out by the government eventually if everything goes wrong. So uh, just one example of that, we've seen a re-rise in subprime borrowing, um, most notably in the car sector. We have a subprime 
auto loan industry that's booming at the moment. Uh, for example, the Wall Street Journal reported just back in February that loans to consumers with low credit scores have reached the highest level since the start of the financial crisis, driven by a boom in car lending and a new crop of companies extending credit. There is, of course, the uh, the student loan crisis that is not abating at all. Uh, the last time I checked, it's now uh, over $1.3 trillion dollars in outstanding student loans and that continues to uh, to go up and up and now we have bloomberg reporting that student loans may be driving the tuition explosion oh you think so the fact that the, these loans are, are so easy to obtain and so mandatory at this point that uh, that ex- tuitions are rising because of that of course and i think we've talked about that before um I, I, again you get uh, stories of, for example bloomberg reporting longer leash for subprime car buyer buyers in u.s stokes debt concern talking about how um, demand for automobile debt in the U.S. is enabling lenders to make longer loans to people with spotty credit, uh, stoking concerns that car shoppers are being lulled into debt loads they won't be able to sustain. So in a lot of different ways, we see the re-rise of very risky lending practices to the most vulnerable people of society uh, as a way of trying to blow up the bubble once again. And unfortunately, it seems to be working at this point as people start going back into debt. And that's that's the key to get the co- economy going again, at least in the crazy debt-as-money system that we live in. Yeah, I agree. The question then, just to be clear, are subprime loans intended to stimulate the economy by getting us to buy things? Or are they primarily intended, are subprime loans primarily intended to stimulate the economy by getting us to borrow and create more debt instruments that can be used as foundation for issuing more credit? What's more important, building or borrowing in this brave new world of ours? Well, certainly both are important, but I think probably the emphasis is on the creation of the new monetary instruments that can then be put back into the bank uh, after they're spent into the economy. They get into another bank, which can then use that as reserves to loan against that will go back into the economy, et cetera, et cetera. So it's about, I really think it's about that is the ultimate motivation for this, this once again relaxing of, uh, of uh, lending standards is to try to get that, that bubble blowing up and get the, the money moving through the economy. Because when you think about it, a lot of these companies that will be receiving this money aren't even American at this point. We've seen so much of the industrial capacity offshore that at this point when people are purchasing cars, Although it used to be a foregone conclusion that you were supporting the Motor City in Detroit and the homegrown industry there when you were purchasing a car in the United States, that is not a foregone conclusion anymore. And you're equally as likely to be uh, supporting a, uh, a Japanese or a German manufacturer as you are an American. I want to nail this one idea down and make sure I understand your opinion on this. We were kicking the idea around, we're touching on it, that perhaps the reason that the Federal Reserve is so fearful about raising the interest rate from a quarter of a percent to half a percent is that doing so might actually increase, might, in theory, it could double the total interest payments on the national debt, at least some of them. I'm not sure how that works entirely. Now, if that were the real, if that's the motivation, if, if that notion is roughly correct, but the big point is, oh, my gosh, we can't pay. We can't afford to double the interest on the national debt. We can't pay it. Have we finally reached a point where the interest rates alone, the interest payment alone on the national debt is almost too great to be repaid? Are the government and Federal Reserve now trapped in circumstances where if they don't raise interest rates, 
They can't attract more creditors and therefore can't borrow more money. But if they do raise interest rates, the resulting increase on the interest uh, on the interest paid on the national debt will exceed their ability to pay and drive them into insolvency or bankruptcy. If so, is the game up? Is that clear where you understand what I'm saying? I, yes, I understand what you're saying, but no, I don't think that that is the game that's being played here, because five years ago, who was the largest holder of uh, U.S. Uh, debt was China with their treasuries, yep. and who is the largest holder of U.S. debt now? The Federal Reserve, who has bought trillions of dollars worth of U.S. treasuries. Um, so, a- a- again, at this point, literally, the treasury can continue printing money till the cow co- or printing debt till the cows come home. They will issue more debt to pay for the debt payments, and they will continue to do so until the U.S. dollar itself is undermined, until they, it is stopped accepted being accepted around the world in the way that it is now. So at this stage of the game, no, no amount of zeros added to the national debt makes any difference whatsoever to the Treasury's ability to pay that debt with more debt. Well, there's some people that suspect that maybe the Federal Reserve has just about, you know, shot its bolt. And they think that, in fact, there is a limit. There are four and a half trillion dollars in debt on their balance sheet right now. Some people think they can't go much deeper. Um, you're the, you, you think, no, they can continue this. They can play this game essentially forever. Just keep on adding more monopoly money and more monopoly money and more monopoly money. And uh, there's, there's certainly, there's some doubt about this. Um, I don't know that I have a question, but, uh, uh, well, let's move to a different subject. Here's one from Obama, from Conservative Bite. Obama says in the headline, Obama, there's not a smidgen of evidence that I'm anti-Semitic. The president is seeking to soothe tensions with the Jewish community over the Iran nuclear deal, which is opposed by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and many U.S. Jewish groups. Now, some people are accusing him of being anti-Semitic, because they say he's betrayed Israel. He says there's not a smidgen of evidence to, uh, to support that he's anti-Semitic, but I'm looking at him. There's not a, really a smidgen of evidence to support the contention that he was born in this country and eligible to be president either. Um, so I don't know where these smidgens, how, how, how important these smidgens are. But do you think the allegations of Obama's anti-Semitic attitude. Do you think they're valid, or are they just sour sour grapes from uh, Israel? Well, I will refrain from getting pedantic about the meaning of Semite and what anti-Semitic actually means, because, of course, it doesn't mean anti-Jewish. Semitic people are not just Jewish. But anyway, regarding that, I mean, we all understand what is meant by the term, and certainly I would not say that Obama is an anti-Semitic president in that sense, and I don't think he is really deviated from Israeli foreign policy on a lot of issues, certainly stood by them throughout the, uh, the Gaza uh, decimation that we saw last summer and, uh, and things of that nature. So, again, I think you could put, insert a, maybe, maybe a paper, uh, uh, the, the thickness of a piece of paper between Obama and Netanyahu on most foreign policy goals, including, of course, the de- destruction of uh, Syria and the, the ousting of Assad. But, uh, but yes, on this particular Iran deal, it really does look like a genuine difference. And I think the only thing that that can be 
chalked up to is this is, of course, Obama's legacy project. Getting the Iran deal done is hopefully what he wants to be remembered for. Oh, he's the uh, the, the the president that ended the the half more than half century, 70 years almost now of tensions between Iran and, and the U.S. started to end that and, and saw that ice. Of course, tensions that were created when the CIA overthrew their 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 uh, democratically elected president, but that's neither here nor there. So I think this is more of a legacy project thing. And uh, and ultimately, again, the, the actual deal itself and what ultimately becomes of it is only as strong as people who are um, the people who are overseeing it and and deciding, you know, what constitutes uh, uh, compliance by Iran. And uh, unfortunately, we've already seen that there is a lot of different ways that people can can uh, take things of no significance whatsoever and build them up into, look, Iran is stopping us from doing this. Well, like, for example, taking pictures of uh, satellite pictures of parking lots next to a facility that has been claimed to be a nuclear facility, but never proven to be so, and saying, look, there were no trucks here th- yesterday. There's a truck here today. And clearly, they're trying to remove evidence of a nuclear program, despite the fact that's literally technologically impossible if you talk to actual IEA inspectors. So, again, unfortunately, the Iran deal, I think, is very unlikely to hold in the way that anyone is expecting it to or thinking that it might but uh but it is a convenient political football to be played with at the moment and uh and uh, yeah i don't think so obama i think has a genuinely different stance on this than netanyahu but i don't think it amounts to a very large difference on the bigger scheme of things when you look at the overall foreign policy goals of the united states and uh israel I haven't read the iranian agreements i don't know what the details are i'm going to guess that you may have done so what I'm curious about is, does this treaty with Iran, this agreement with Iran, it's going to put Iranian crude oil back into the global market without restrictions and so on? Is there any proviso in the agreement that Iranian that the Iranians will agree to sell their crude for U.S. dollars again? And if so, is this an attempt to shore up the uh, flagging petrodollar? You know, that's such a good question. It's such an important question because people might remember the Iranian oil burst that was announced several years ago, and they did start trading. Uh, I believe the first transaction actually took place in 2011. I believe the burst was open in 2008, but the actual delivery took place in 2011 in euros, not in dollars. That was a big issue at the time and was potentially not a game changer per se because the Iranian oil burst obviously would only be a small fraction of the whole oil market, but still a pretty important event. I have seen absolutely nothing uh, that I can find about that, that Iranian oil burst and its functioning today, and whether it still transacts in euros or whether it is now denominated in dollars, whether that's a stipulation of this uh, joint cooperative plan of action. I can't find any reference to that in the actual plan itself. I actually talked about this in a recent uh, episode of Questions for Corbett, a, a series that I do on my podcast where people ask me questions. Someone was asking about this. I have a bunch of links in that on my website. It's called Is the Anarchist Cookbook a PSYOP? Questions for Corbett, number 24. I have a bunch of links about the Iranian oil burst and its creation. But I, as I say, I cannot find any details on whether or not it's still functioning and whether it's still denominated in euros. I would assume that this new oil that's going to be coming onto the international markets is going to be sold in dollars, but uh, I can only assume that because I haven't seen any actual verification of it yet. All right, James, we are down to our last 30 seconds or so. I suppose you could give them a little more contact information if you want, and then we'll have to bid you adieu. 
People can, of course, hit me up at CorbettReport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T Report.com. That's the one-stop shop for all of my work that's spread out across many different ventures, the International Forecaster and Fukushima Update and things of that sort. But CorbettReport.com is the place to go for all of my audio, video, articles, all of that's there for free access. I hope people make use of it as a resource. And uh, if they like the work, if they've been following for some time, please support it. I really can't do it without the support of people out there. All right, James, thanks very much. Always enjoy talking to you. It's a good, intelligent conversation. Look forward to talking to you again next Thursday. Um, We're out of here, out of time. I'm Alfred Adisk. I want to thank all of you for listening. Hope you'll tune in again tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Frank the producer, and James Corbett. Good night. Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. Vitamin E prevents internal blood clots, but not all vitamin E is equal. Would you like to get a vitamin E that makes blood flow more smoothly than Plavix, but with no harmful side effects? For Spectrum Natural Unesterified Vitamin E Complex has been called 
WD-40 for your blood. It actually lubricates the blood while it dissolves plaque. It prevents platelet aggregation and internal clotting. It neutralizes smoke, fumes, waste, and other harmful free radicals. Doctors report relief from angina, painful leg cramps, strokes, fibrocystic breast tumors, circulation problems, and much more. Get one bottle for $35 postpaid, two bottles for only $60 postpaid. Restore this vital nutrient removed from your food supply through food processing. Read more at 4spectrum.us, spelled number 4spectrum.us. Call 800-581-8906. That's 800-581-8906. Order today. The U.S. dollar is fluctuating. Gasoline reserves are low and the price is rising. World events are at best uncertain. How would you fare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646 and mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Let TalkStream Live transform the way you listen to radio. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret All right, everybody, welcome to Freedom Call. And it's on uh, Friday, and we're... Looking here early in September, we've got 61 days to go before we uh, take out the trash in November and exchange uh, the old Congress for a new one that might uh, get the word. Now, in things that uh, happened yesterday, as I had mentioned to you, uh, I thought the guy that had taken over the Discovery Building in Silver Springs, Maryland, uh, was actually doomed to die. I thought maybe by his own hand, I thought maybe since his manifesto was uh, quit having children, depopulate the earth, give the earth back to the animals. He'd been, he'd been watching too much of the Discovery Channel, which is also Animal Channel and that kind of stuff. Uh, but the cops... Uh, he had a handgun, and uh, they don't know whether 
It was explosives. He had some canisters attached to him, but, you know, maybe he was just collecting aluminum cans. Who knows? Point is, is that he was shot and killed by police uh, yesterday, uh, just after the program was over. So uh, it, it was plain as a nose on your face uh, that that was going to happen to him. He's by himself. Uh, he had three people that he had taken hostage. Uh, all of them uh, escaped all right. God be praised. And uh, so he's dead. He's made good his manifesto. He has uh, stepped forward, and uh, either by police uh, suicide or uh, by his own uh, thoughtful design, uh, he no longer, he's given uh, the worms uh, what's left of him, and uh, there's one less human being. Not that it'll make a big difference out of almost 7 billion people on Earth, uh, but still, nevertheless, uh, one less human being. Short, Jimmy Lee, shot and killed yesterday, Silver Springs, Maryland, in the Discovery Channel building. Now, don't forget, that Monday is Labor Day, and everywhere except Las Vegas, which is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week town, uh, it means that uh, you may not be working. Uh, or if you go down and try to get a haircut, or if you uh, are going to go shopping for something, store may not be open. Just remember Monday is Labor Day coming up. Now, there's a, a sad story, and it doesn't really do any good, but it's the American way now. Uh, and uh, five men who were Boy Scouts in the 80s uh, sued the Boy Scouts of America for uh, being sexually abused by homosexual scoutmasters. Uh, friends, uh, this isn't the boys' uh, fault. And in uh, many cases, it may not be the headquarters of the BSA, uh, which had to pay out uh, what was cited as a record amount uh, for such suits. The Boy Scouts of America is a volunteer organization. I've been a scoutmaster. One reason, I think, maybe uh, I might get into heaven. Anybody that's been a scoutmaster, anybody that's, that's actually raised teenagers has got a, at least some credit uh, in the celestial account. But these guys, uh, it's, not, it's not uncommon uh, I had, as a boy, all I wanted. I loved scouting. I got into the Cub Scouts, and I couldn't wait to be a Boy Scout. And all I wanted to do was all the skills and all the camping. My dad was killed when I was six. My grandfather was a truck driver, and he wasn't home uh, but on the weekends. And... Uh, I didn't, we didn't. I didn't grow up with uh, 
with neighbors. My grandma was my best friend, and I learned to just entertain myself. So me and my dog and uh, my BB gun and my twenty two, then later a thirty thirty. We walked a lot of uh, red hills and wheat fields in Oklahoma. But when I got into the Boy Scouts, oh, man, now that was something. And uh, then I learned uh, one of the very sad truths. A lot of adults uh, are too busy. Scouting is a volunteer organization, and it is a magnet for homosexuals because you have all these young boys. And a lot of these young boys uh, aren't given uh, the self-confidence, exercise, the skills uh, by their parents. The parents don't care. That's uh, why parents aren't a part of the scouting program. That's why uh, they're glad to have anybody who volunteers, and that's why uh, they are so praiseworthy of these young men, because they will give up uh, their weekends, and they go camping with these boys, uh, and uh, they will uh, meet with them and bring them home and just all these things. Yep. Now, my grandma raised me to know right from wrong. And uh, I think God intended for me to be a warrior from the very beginning because uh, even when I was in grade school, I formed not only an army, but I organized the whole school into an army, Air Force, Navy. I had whacks and waves, Marines, and uh, it was just natural. Uh, by the time I was ready, I was in the sixth grade, I was uh, the toughest kid in school. We wrestled all the time. That's why Oklahoma, uh, I think, is good at wrestling at the collegiate level because there's not much for them boys to do. Unlike Montana, we don't have a lot of sheep in Oklahoma, and so we wrestle a lot. Well, it gave me a couple of things. One is it gave me self-confidence. And with my grandma's training, uh, it gave me moral conscience. And so the first scoutmaster uh, who uh, was putting heavy moves on me uh, as a, a boy of 13, uh, I just uh, filed a complaint And gosh, uh, the scoutmaster disappeared. But the guy who replaced him was also a homosexual. And he was a mean, aggressive, bully-type homosexual. And you'd have to read my book uh, to see. And it, it, it damages children to have to pull a knife off of a knot board in a scout house and stab a 
a predator is is not something that a young boy scout ought to have to do in order to keep himself from being become a a victim of these predators of these anal orifices of these people that ought to be skinned and their hides put up to dry. You know, I hear all this stuff now about, well, it's gay right. I think it's a total misnomer of the word, one of the greatest misnomers. Now, I understand, I truly do, about... uh, you know, you have the odd couple. Uh, you have uh, women who look at men and think, gee whiz, uh, is there nothing uh, good? Are all the good men taken? And I can understand uh, women uh, being in areas where uh, uh, men, unfortunately, may be alcoholics, drug addicts, it just depends on the part of town that you're brought up in and what kind of advantages and opportunities you have to get educated and get out of those kind of places. Otherwise, you end up uh, being pregnant as uh, before you get out of high school. And now, if things don't change, uh, your course in life is pretty well set. Well... Uh, This is something that the Boy Scouts of America uh, should keep an eagle eye out and should uh, always be communicating from the headquarters down to the various councils. But I can guarantee you it's not an easy job. It's just like in the Army and the military, don't ask, don't tell, I was a young private, and uh, there are non-commissioned officers that are homosexual in the Army, uh, and a day when uh, they stripped you of your security clearances and threw you out or would throw you in jail because it was a crime. So I understand about the odd fellows, and if you're uh, two men and you... Uh, want to love each other, and you find uh, it difficult to have relationships with uh, females, I can understand it. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, I don't believe it is right. I think it is against God's law. The Bible isn't there for us to change uh, at our convenience. The Bible is there as a guidebook. Now, if you don't want to follow it, you can wander off uh, just as deep as you want to get yourself. And in some cases, uh, God gives us reason to believe that uh, his hand is out for us. But uh, this business in the scouts were these five, uh, these scouts were in the 80s, and so it's 20 years later. So now these men are in their 30s, 40s, and it's like uh, the Catholic Church uh, with altar boys, only altar boys uh, generally are even younger because you've got to be 12 uh, to be in the Boy Scouts. 
But they have uh, come together, and the five of them, and sued the BSA headquarters. I'm not happy about that. Boy Scouts of America has stood up uh, for God, for country, and I think they do the best they can. It is really the fault of the parents whose children go to these troops, and the parents never have enough time to get involved with the leadership of the scouting organizations. Now, after I stabbed the second uh, queer who didn't care whether uh, I said, uh, leave me alone or get your hands off of me or not, he was uh, 100 pounds bigger than I was, hairier, meaner, and he was uh, a mean and cruel person who became a scoutmaster just so that he could have uh, his selection of young boys. He just unfortunately happened to get a boy who spent a lot of time out in the sun uh, whose head was hard. I got shot in the back of the head in Vietnam. The bullet bounced off. Doesn't mean that I'm bulletproof, but I am hard-headed. But I joined the Sea Scouts then, and God be praised. One, uh, they had a nice uniform. Secondly, they need a bosun's mate. I was the senior patrol leader. The scouts that are in uh, leadership positions are most vulnerable because if you're a senior patrol leader, then it means you don't have other scouts looking out for you. If you're just a Boy Scout, you've got an uh, assistant uh, leader, and you have a patrol leader, you have a senior patrol leader, you may have a junior assistant scoutmaster. But if you are those leadership positions, then nobody's looking out for you. When you go out in the woods or when you're closing up the scout house, uh, the young scouts are gone, and you're left. And so I understand about these five men suing. Uh, it's not money that you need. And what needs to happen is change. And while uh, we seem to glorify homosexuality, if you look at uh, Ellen Degenerate and you see how uh, everybody hugs and loves and kisses when she came out of the closet on television, and uh, O'Donnell, you got all of these homosexuals now, they glorify uh, homosexuality, and the fact is, is that uh, even in the Army, I've told you the story, won't bore you with it again, but uh, that sergeant first class in Special Forces who was a homosexual that I allowed to stay in, and he went right back doing it after I was reassigned. And the next commander uh, had him transferred, and he got promoted. Uh, these are good soldiers. They are uh, people that are fun to be around. But they have this dark side of a predator. Now, if you can be just uh, a uh, odd couple, fine. But if you are going to 
try and intimidate and overpower, and you're going to make victims out of younger people, then uh, I would be uh, one of the worst enemies that you could have. Matter of fact, a, a homosexual sued me for $25 million. I mentioned it uh, to you the other day. I went all the way to federal court, and I won because the truth is the factor about whether or not uh, someone is uh, libeled or defamed or slandered. And uh, I would say that it would be far better if the scouts would police their ranks Parents get involved. Then when they're 40, they don't need to go sue uh, some organization that they don't know anybody in. It's not the hindquarters' fault. And so I reprimand every parent that has a youngster. Yes, scouting is wonderful. But the fathers, the big brothers... Everybody needs to be on the lookout for these wolves in sheep's clothing. And uh, this isn't right. And this isn't covered uh, as one of the gay rights that uh, homosexuals would have today. And I'm not saying that every homosexual is a predator. But I am commenting because five Men, and I know other men who were abused, who became self-destructive, alcoholism, attempted suicide, trying to destroy themselves because in their minds they feel filthy. They feel it was their fault. It's not their fault. It's the fault of that predator. And God knows there will be a special hell for those who have forced and taken advantage and harmed and damaged uh, young children, whether they are priests or whether they are scout leaders or however, teachers, uh, they cloak themselves. Be on the lookout. And don't be forgiving. I know we're supposed to forgive, but in this case, we need to protect All right, so uh, just to, I wanted to mention that, and I wanted to go uh, into uh, something that is uh, that still bothers me today, and this is a report today, and it gives me an opportunity to. Uh, they say confession is good for the soul. Uh, there are 1,273 young American men and women that are dead in Afghanistan that have worn the uniform of the United States and gone to do uh, what is all volunteer now. There are 5,689 total. I mean, we're almost now to 5,700, 800, 900, 6,000. Where does it stop? Well, listen to this report out of Kabul. 
Kabul is the capital of Afghanistan. Quote, airstrikes killed 12 people yesterday, that's Thursday, in northern Afghanistan. These airstrikes have produced sharply conflicting accounts as to whether the attacks hit a team of election campaign workers, including the parliamentary candidate himself, or a group connected with the Uzbek terrorist network. Why is there a question? What are we doing? I mean, we are urging right now, for example, for Iraq to get a government. Iraq has half a government. Half a government's like having half a glass of water filled with urine. It is no government. And yet, by trying to urge uh, these Muslims to get a government that would please Uncle Sam, we end up uh, killing anything that looks like a group. So it says officials in Kabul and Pakar province where the deaths occur say that the jets fired twice on a convoy of campaign workers. The candidate, Abdul Karamsani, Karamsani, I don't know where the accident goes there, uh, was among three wounded. What reaction can I have, said Mr. Karamsani, by telephone from his hospital bed in Kabul, where he was being treated for injuries. The jets came in, they killed my supporters and my campaigners. They are powerful. What can I do? I can do nothing. Now, in a contrasting assessment of the dead, international forces say the airstrike singled out a group connected to the Islamic movement of Uzbekistan, including a senior leader who is believed to be the deputy shadow government in Pakar. The spokesman for NATO said, that's the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, a great deal of time and patience was used to ensure the strike occurred in a remote area void of civilians. The occupant's activity was tracked for days prior to the attack. We're aware of the allegations of this strike caused civilian casualties. And uh, we'll do our best to get to the bottom of the accusations. This is Major General David Garza. Friends, it's hard <laughs> to get uh, the Muslims to do what we think is right, especially at the risk of being bombed. All right, stay with us, and uh, I'll be right back with you after just a small pause, and we'll continue this because uh, you need to understand how serious 
this death from above can be on civilians. Control is a leading national organization dedicated to reasonable levels of legal immigration and effective enforcement to stop illegal immigration. With more than 250,000 members and supporters nationwide, we are an effective voice for immigration reform. AIC stands up in Washington for the views of most Americans on immigration. We are the leaders in stopping recent legislation to reward 10 million or more illegal aliens with legal status and eventual citizenship. The late Georgia Congressman Charlie Norwood had this to say about us. AIC has earned a reputation among members of Congress as one of the most active and responsive advocacy groups in the field of immigration. Join AIC today. For more information, go to our website, immigrationcontrol.com. That's immigrationcontrol.com or call 540-468-2023. That's 540-468-2023. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Let TalkStream Live transform the way you listen to radio. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. The U.S. dollar is fluctuating. Gasoline reserves are low and the price is rising. World events are at best uncertain. How would you fare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646 and mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. 
Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. with you, and we're talking about uh, what happened yesterday uh, when, like our politicians, Congress is out, and our politicians are home, and they're traveling around uh, with signs, and they're irritating the heck out of me by making these automated phone calls uh, and this kind of stuff, but they are traveling around uh, with uh, red, white, and blue signs and loudspeakers, and they're uh, trying to gather people in rural areas as well as urban, aren't they? Well, this guy, uh, Kurasani, uh, he had six vehicles full of supporters. He says, all of my vehicles in my convoy were draped with campaign posters. And that's what the Jets... <laughs> wiped out, and uh, they didn't kill uh, the uh, parliamentary, and, (laughs) you know, you may ask yourself, maybe they did it on purpose because they're afraid that this guy is uh, not uh, pro-Karzai or something, but uh, they wounded him. He is uh, recovering, but they, they killed uh, all of these other people. And, you know, it. even if it's one person, but it was 12, <laughs> but if it's one person, it's awful. And I, we cannot feel what it is like to have something come screaming out of the sky and uh, dropping sophisticated explosives on a convoy or a group of people that are just wiped out. The children are blown to bits, the women, the men, indiscriminate. But uh, I've been part of that, and I have been sorry, and I don't know uh, something I've always left my heart open uh, for God. And sometimes uh, I have been rewarded. And on uh, and the rules of engagement, we've talked about rules of engagement since the 30th of August was the day that uh, the federal siege at Ruby Ridge uh, was finally uh, satisfied and the survivors were able to come down. And they had good representation in the federal court system, and they won. The uh, 
government had to pay the little girls uh, $3 million plus dollars for the loss of their mom and their brother. Now, it doesn't bring mom back. It's like these five guys that were scouts uh, uh, 30 years ago uh, suing uh, the Boy Scouts because they were abused when they were boys. The money doesn't uh, give them back their dignity or really repair the damage. If anything, it seems to me like uh, uh, unless these people were really having a lot of trouble with it, and they might be. But uh, the rules of engagement in the Vietnam War uh, read that if you receive effective automatic weapons fire from the ground and you have attack aircraft that are receiving this automatic weapons fire, they can return fire. Well, uh, in Tainan, Tainan province is a large province. It has a very interesting building there that is the headquarters of the Khao Dai religion. And if you would be interested, uh, not even the Japanese were able <laughs> to uh, contain the Kaodai during World War II. And in Vietnam, uh, the French weren't able uh, to, uh, to contain the Kaodai, and we weren't either. Uh, they have a beautiful building in Tainan province, which is a... Western probably it is it is uh, west northwest from Saigon on the Cambodian border, and there's a lot of rubber uh, that goes from Tainan uh, towards Saigon. Uh, for example, the Michelin rubber plantation, and uh, we had just outside of Tainan City, which was the province. Uh, War Zone C was an area that was uh, owned and operated by the enemy that uh, only special operations forces were able uh, to go in there and uh, stay for any length of time. I think two or three days we usually got run out. Uh, there were tens of thousands of enemy North Vietnamese troops that came in right there uh, off the Ho Chi Minh Trail in Laos and uh, Cambodia, they would uh, make a, the turn to the east and come into uh, South Vietnam, having traveled all the way from the north safely, except for forces uh, who were never there, according to Kissinger, that used to try to interdict and bomb the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Khao Khoi rubber plantation was a huge uh, French enterprise. But in when Cal Key was, remember, he was the sort of gallant uh, Air Force general who was the premier. Well, he uh, also owned, I, I think that almost all premiers own a little bit of uh, all the businesses. It's like United Fruit Company, uh, you know, down in Guatemala. Uh, they... Uh, 
we go down and act like the heavies anytime somebody gives uh, uh, people like United Fruit Company a hard time and Dole Pineapple in Hawaii. Anyway, the uh, Calcoy rubber plantation was huge. Uh, there was actually a French airstrip there with a plantation, and uh, we had orders to leave it alone. And there was a bonanza uh, that flown by a Frenchman that would come in and land and inspect uh, the uh, rubber, the rubber trees as it was being collected. Well, uh, the rubber plantation uh, has uh, hundreds of workers, as you can imagine. And, of course, the workers have uh, families and the workers need to be right close to the plantation. So right across uh, a east-west uh, one-lane, basically, road, uh, the plantation was on the south side. On the north side was a village, all thatch roofs, that contained uh, the hundreds of workers for Calcoy Rubber Plantation. And the Viet Cong uh, decided that they were going to uh, make their presence known, so they uh, marched in to Calcoy Rubber Plantation Village. They didn't bother uh, the plantation, uh, the huge buildings, the airstrip. They just went into the village, and they put up a great big sign across the village uh, entrance that was uh, old probably uh, 25 feet by 6 feet, and it, it was blue and red uh, with a gold star, you know, kind of like the Arizona without the sunbeams. That was the insignia uh, of the uh, Vietnamese communists. And uh, they wrote in Vietnamese that this is a liberated village uh, by the communist of Vietnam. Well, the village chief uh, was arguing with him because uh, he knew it was going to uh, cause him trouble. The French would come in and, you know, they had basically paid off the VC and uh, the Vietnamese uh, to leave them alone so they could produce rubber and continue to make millions uh, of uh, francs. Well, uh, somebody did get the word because this happened. And uh, the village chief was ejecting that Viet Cong unit. And it just happened at the time that a heavy gun team, a heavy gun team meant three armed helicopters. And uh, in Vietnam, they had some... Uh, very, like Americans everywhere, they come up with some really uh, interesting names. This uh, gun unit was known as the Thunder Chickens. And uh, this was a heavy gun team, meaning that uh, there are three helicopters. Uh, besides having many guns, they had uh, 2.75 rockets. They had a 40-millimeter cannon. They were loaded down. And uh, they were at Tainan uh, Airstrip, and they weren't used. Well, these guys hate taking off and carrying all that ordnance. They barely get off the ground. 
And they have to fly across to all that enemy-held territory to get back to Saigon. And then they got to land, probably at dark, carrying all this ordnance. Anything happens, and uh, you know, it looks like a small atom bomb if one of these birds goes down. So as they were flying over Cao Khoi, the uh, communist commander looked at the village chief and said, Oh, you would rather have the Americans. Now, you see, I'm giving you this anecdote because it goes along with what happened yesterday in Afghanistan. And uh, said, so you'd rather have the Americans than us. Is that what you're saying? So then they fired at the three Thunder Chicken heavy gunships with their AK-47s. The gunship commander called back to me and said, this is Thunder Chicken lead. We are taking automatic weapons fire at Cow Coy Rubber Plantation, requesting your permission to return fire. Well, I had a, a counterpart at that time named Major Duck, Tutah and uh, he was listening because there was a speaker on our radio, and he looked at me and said, okay. So while I knew there were hundreds of civilians, it was very likely because the enemy loved to use the rubber to ambush uh, Army of Vietnam, Arvin soldiers, and this kind of stuff. And uh, so I said, uh, permission is granted. Then I started thinking, what is going on? And it was like God uh, filled that little space that I try to keep uh, the line open. And I called Thunder Chicken lead and said, what do you got? And he said, well, sir, right now we've got at least 100 hooches uh, on fire. He said, we uh, have dead uh, laying on the ground everywhere, more than I can count. And I said, how about your ordnance? Uh, he said, we have fired all of our rockets, our cannon, and uh, we have machine gun left. And I said, hold your machine guns. I said, I'm coming up there. I'm going to land at the French uh, landing zone. It was only like 50 yards to where the road was and the entrance uh, to the village. I said, I'll need some cover because I'm not bringing anybody with me. So I went up there and landed and uh, walked across, and they had began to drag their dead, which were women, old men, and children, and lined them up in the road space. Because the village, of course, one uh, starts another, starts a third, and so on. Uh, the village was... Uh, totally engulfed in flames, like Waco, only much larger. And uh, I didn't see uh, any rifles, machine guns. I didn't see any uh, communist uniforms. Uh, I saw three things. I saw children, maybe almost a hundred of them. 
dead. I saw mothers wailing, looking at me with eyes that literally could kill. And I saw the village chief uh, in utter despair. Uh, he came running to me, saying, What? What did we do? What did we do? He said, The communists came, because I went over to where they had uh, put up this huge metal sign, and I uh, tore it down, and he said, they came, they put up their sign, I told them they had to leave. About that time, your helicopters uh, came uh, over, and they fired, and they left. They said, you want the Americans? And they fired at your helicopters, and they left. And Thunder Chicken and the rules of engagement did the rest. When we are involved in combat, like we are in an urban environment, now see, Vietnam, 99 and 44, 100%, was hand-to-gland uh, for me in the jungles, uh, going secretly to where the enemy was consecrated. And... Now, it's 99 and 44, 100% urban warfare. You have all these civilians, and yes, you have uh, these insurgents, and they embed themselves. That's how they move. That's how they live, uh, that we call it in special forces, the auxiliary that feeds them, that houses them that gives them information. We call them the underground. That's the ones that provide transport and lookouts. We call them guerrillas. These are the insurgents themselves. But do you know that out of the 1.4 million military that we have on active duty today that are enlisted people, not officers, less than 1% are Muslim. We are basically a Christian, 99 and 44, 100%. We are basically Christians in an Islamic nation, just like the Third, the Second, and the First Crusade. And it's the same. History has repeated itself. We... Are we there to uh, free the Afghani? Well, the Afghani got free when we helped them eject the Soviets. Now, we have taken the Soviets' place. What are we there for? Well, one, there's 8,400 tons of opium that wasn't coming out of there. That is now 93% of the world's heroin output coming out of Afghanistan. And so that's one thing, obviously, that is happening. Not our soldiers. They don't know nothing about that. But the politicians, are you kidding me? And these other interests, of course. And who gets hurt? Well, let me just give you the last statement here by this guy, uh, 
Kurasani. He said, the attacks struck six vehicles in my convoy, all draped with campaign posters. Now, it says, NATO says that only one of the vehicles was hit. Well, they killed 12 people <laughs> and wounded only God knows how many. Anyway, Kurasani said he was on the ground. I think I take his word for it a little more that uh, he informed the police in two districts of his campaign trip, and they had guaranteed his security. Now, this happened yesterday. And uh, NATO comes along and makes this statement. Seventy percent of the civilians who die in Afghanistan are killed by the insurgents. Now, that's what the U.N. spokesman said. What does that say to you? It acknowledges the fact that 30%, and you know that we're the ones saying it, so undoubtedly these figures are all skewed to make us look as good as we can, but we're admitting that we kill 30% of the civilians. That is, this isn't good. Friends, we need to talk to those who would be the Kurzanis and go around in their uh, vehicle convoys to speak to you about electing them. We need to bring our Americans home. And just like I told you about Vietnamization, what were we going to do? We'd spent 15 years in Vietnam, 58,000 American men and women dead. And don't we see what is happening? You know, let's get Obama's eyes open. He is diverting troops out of Iraq now to Afghanistan. This is all political. It is like saying, is it all right if I only fill your glass half full of urine? Is that, will you settle for that? No, not one drop. Now is a time. We got 61 days until we can show just exactly what the American Constitution is about. We have the ballot box. If we need to, the jury box with jury nullification. I always recommend people try their best to get on these juries. And let's hope it doesn't come to the cartridge box that we defend our Constitution with. By the way, there's a guy who blew himself up uh, trying to kill a spider using uh, aerosol spray. Now, he was in the bathroom. His wife was hollering about the spider. He apparently put quite a bit of aerosol spray. Remember I told you what happened uh, with the CS gas at Waco? Well, the guy, the, the light was out in the bathroom, so he's trying to see whether or not the spider succumbed to all this aerosol spray. So he lit a match, 
don't do this. <laughs> the explosion burned his face and arms. It was awful. One of the worst stories about that aerosol can, that kind of stuff, was a, homo, a couple of homosexuals using a gerbil, and the gerbil got stuck in the rear orifice of one of them. And so uh, they were trying to get the gerbil out, and a guy, uh, you, struck a, a match. Uh, this, they thought maybe the gerbil would come to uh, the light. Well, it... Uh, uh, the gerbil apparently headed toward the colon, penetrated uh, a gaseous uh, part of the bowel, which uh, exited out the orifice, and uh, a large flame burned this guy who was trying to look up there and see if they could see the gerbil and gave him second-degree burns on his arms and on his face. Don't do that. And don't be using aerosol to try to get rid of insects and then light a match. That is what happened at Waco. Oh, gosh. You know, I always have so much news for you. Uh, will you? I've got to go to North Carolina tomorrow. So uh, will you kindly uh, ponder the things that I have said, take care of yourselves, and in two months, let's give them hell. Let's show them something that uh, every news channel cannot be biased uh, or prejudicial. They're just going to have to say, holy cow. Fighting soldiers yeah. the sky. All right, guys, get ready. You, mean, you need there to pass the word around. Don't let your friends be using uh, matches and aerosol or take any chance on uh, on methane gas. It's dangerous. All right, now you stay with American Voice Radio, Loving Order. Silver wings upon their chest. These are men, America's best. One hundred men will test today, but only three when the green Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. 
No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- 225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Food prices going up, homes being foreclosed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 316-619-4886. Welcome to the Messiah's Branch Broadcast. A one-hour prophecy program on the American Voice Radio Network, featuring Pastor Dan of the Messiah's Branch Ministry. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Welcome, folks, to Mission Watch Live, another Messiah's Branch National Satellite Radio Program. We are broadcasting live from the Flint Hills of Kansas, and we're on the where we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is September third. 
and we will mail it back to you at no charge to you. So if you can't reach us by telephone and you'd like one of these done this way, send me an email or preferably send me one in the, the mail, a physical letter, and we will send it back to you at no cost. This is a service to you. But you can call me at 620-878-4682, 620-878-4682, or an emergency. My cell phone number is 316-619-4886. You can always find updates with the breaking news, our ministry, radio program archives, and our mailing address at our blog, which is simply prophecyhour.com. Now, that's real smartphone-friendly, and when you go over there, uh, look for a, a link that says End Time Radio Archives. You go over there, that's branch.podomatic.com, and they even have some apps that you can do to your uh, telephone, you know, your smartphones that you use. and or But, you know, you don't have to. You can stream also. There's lots of ways to listen. Like that right now, people are listening on satellite. People are listening by telephone. People are listening on FM stations. People all over the world are listening to this international radio program right now. So, anyway, share it with others, and now let's have a perk because it's really going to be a good program tonight, especially with everything happening in September. In fact, both programs tonight are going to kind of deal with September and some of the things that people are saying, and whether they be good or whether they be bad, we're going to talk about them, I think. Anyway, prayer first and then talk later, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name I pray. Father, I pray that radio goes not according to your will and not my will, nor our guests will, but your will, Father, so it blesses the people and it glorifies you and doesn't glorify the world. Amen and amen. Well, our guest tonight has been on with us many times, and usually, you know, for some reason, he always seems to get on around feast time, but it doesn't matter. What's He's most centered on watching Iran and what he thinks will happen soon, and uh, I really do, things are leaning towards, uh, and it's very, very strong agreement with him. A lot of things are pointing towards Iran, maybe even starting World War III. We'll see. But anyway, I don't think that's what we're going to talk about. He is the author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to the End Times. Now, that's really a good book, seeing how it's an idiot's guide. Yuck, yuck. Anyway, he, um, Of the Last Days is another book he wrote, and he wrote a thing called The Watchman Guide Series. Which some of which include the Watchman's Guide to the Time of the End, the Watchman's Guide to Revelation, the Watchman's Guide to the Rapture, the Watchman's Guide to the End Time Repentance, Watchman's Guide to Daniel's Prophecies, and I don't know if there's more than that or not, but it's the whole series, and so you, you, he'll tell you how to get them. But anyway, I asked him to come on and talk with us about several things, and for him to pick a subject. And he picked a great subject. So let's now get him on. Welcome, my friend, Richard Perry. Are you there with me, Richard? Hello, Dan. Yeah, I'm here with you. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you just fine, brother. How are you? Great. I'm really good. Yeah, I'm in a really good mood today, considering all this calamity that's supposed to happen this month. Yeah, I bet it seems like everywhere I go, talk to people, they come running up to me and say, "Oh my God!" You know, I mean, they were, people are saying everything from the rapture to economic Armageddon to you know World War Three, Russia's going to attack uh, Israel. You know, all going to happen this month because I guess you know the books on the blood moons and. Have the last blood moon happening on the 
28th of September this year, the uh, Feast right. of Trumpets uh, happening on uh, September 13th, which is also like uh, one day away from when our, I think our Congress is supposed to vote on the uh, Iran nuclear deal, you know, so... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, but, you know, you know I, I, but there's a I lot think, of a lot of excitement about this month. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if, if, but if if you switch the focus off for a second of of what you know the uh, prophecy or the religious world or you know is saying, and you look to what um, the economists are saying, the economist, and and that's part of I think what's helping to fuel all this is because. A lot of economists are 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 really uh, saying disaster this month or beyond for the stock market and and, and so on. Um, and so that's part of what's fueling it. I, I also know that that uh, this is a real good example uh, this month of, of a couple of things that were said by a few people that other people just really piled on. And uh, anyway, but it, I brought you on to talk about it, so. Back to you. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, you know, I, I keep, like I said, I keep getting confronted with people saying that, you know, other people are saying all kinds of things are going to happen. Uh, it's really unclear to me because I don't uh, really follow a lot of these uh, these teachers, although, you mm-hmm. know, I do pay attention to what's going on. But, uh, you know, my emphasis has always been, and I hope it always will be, is what God says, you know, because, you know, there's several things that kind of guide my study, guide how I think about what, what, about, about biblical prophecy. You know, for instance, in Second Corinthians, first chapter, verse 13, God says, we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. Now, that's a pretty bold statement to God's people from God. And all too often, matter of fact, most of the time I get people telling me they can't understand Scripture. So maybe that's why they go listen to everybody else telling what Scripture says. But God says, you know, we can read and understand his word. And, and then about this time of the end, you and I always talk about the time of the end, there's a passage in Mark 13:23 where, where Christ is talking about the time of the end in his in his return, and he tells he tells his believers, the disciples he was speaking to, he said, "I have told you everything ahead of time." You know, think about that. When you know when Christ speaks, I mean, he's spoken literally from Genesis to Revelation. Everything. In the, in the Bible is the Word of God, and Christ is God in the flesh, and, you know, he knows everything, you know. So he's he's telling us that he's told us everything ahead of time. Yeah, yeah amen. So many people come out with, so many people come out with things that he hasn't said. Now, you know, there was, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that I liked about Jonathan Kahn, you know, and he wrote The Harbinger and The, and the Shemitah, but lately, you know, he's getting people worked up to the point where, you know, they think something's going to happen in September, this month, you know, because of things he's saying and things that I guess maybe, you know, John Hagee is saying and Perry Stone and other people are saying. But I keep going back to, like, well, wait a minute. 
If Christ said, I've told you everything ahead of time, but he never mentioned the Shemitah uh, with regard to the time at the end, and he never mentioned blood moons anywhere in the Bible. Uh, when I say blood moons, I mean plural. You know, there is a blood moon sign that happens after the Great Tribulation and just before the, the, the day of the Lord and the Second Coming. But these people are making all kinds of claims that, you know, and they're Bible prophecy people, and they're getting everybody excited about what's well, going to okay. happen. And here's a, right. here's, here's a... I see what you're saying, but but let's have a conversation a second here, uh, and 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 I want to talk about the Shemitah. Okay, well, why you, you say that it doesn't, you know, um, elaborately point out the Shemitah, the patterns um, of there of what Jonathan and I have seen all the videos and I've seen all the research, and uh, at least I my guess is yep. at least ninety percent of it. And, you know, never once does he call it prophecy, um, but here's the deal. He points out patterns in the Shemitah pattern, which is laid out in the Word of God. See, that, there's the point. It is laid out in the, the Shemitah pattern is laid out in the Word of God because it talks about the seven years. It goes back to uh, Leviticus, and De, I think it's even in Deuteronomy, it talks about every seven years there's a year of rest, you know, and... And if you don't, I'm fully aware of that. Okay, and so all Jonathan Cain is pointing, what he's pointing out is that if you don't abide by this, then uh, then that makes it a shemitah year, and it and it's dramatically God will take back and He will curse, and that is in the Word. And so we see he all he did was point out the patterns of these seven-year periods and what's happened in these seven-year periods, and it has been pretty dramatic, the patterns of sevens. In fact, there's so many patterns of sevens tied up in the Shemitah when he starts quoting them all that it's just almost an impossibility uh, of the odds of it being is just dramatically, uh, it couldn't be a coincidence. But even saying it's a coincidence, the pattern is absolutely there. Exactly seven years ago, we had a stock market crash. Exactly seven years prior to that, we had a financial crash and we had 9-11. And it was the same way if you follow it back, um, these seven. And so now we're at another seven-year period, and he's saying, look, if it follows the same pattern, then we could be in real serious trouble let alone the fact that uh, it's this is going to be a year of jubilee. He's not saying absolutely something would happen, but here's the problem. What you have is a lot of people that ha- that jump on the bandwagon and start grabbed onto that Shemitah and said, absolutely, thus saith the Lord, and saying all these things are going to absolutely happen and putting words in, in Khan's mouth that he's just not saying. And so... While he's legitimately, and I'm glad that he is pointing out the Shemitah and the pattern, but all these other people that jumped on, you know, including John Hagee, who jumped on the blood mood thing. In fact, John Hagee, uh, the blood mood was a thing uh, Mark Blitz studied and, and figured out, and, and it, it purely by accident came upon it. And he did a wonderful study on it, right. and it's in his book, and he and he gives a and you can get a free DVD from him about it, the original one, and you know. And he said when these blood moons happen on feast days, certain things happen with Israel that are undeniable. Okay? 
And so there's a pattern. And that's yeah. what he pointed out. He didn't say there was going to be a rapture or anything. Well, John Hagee grabbed onto his study, in fact, and uh, uh, wrote a book and claimed that, and even laid claim to saying that he's the one that found the pattern and so on and so forth and that the rapture and all kinds of other things are going to happen. So both of these guys, Jonathan Kahn, who uh, talks about Shemitah, and Mark Blitz, these guys are, are going to be the ones get stuck if nothing happens, but they never said absolutely anything was going to happen. These other guys have jumped on and are false prophets. And I, you know what? I'll say it on the air. John Hagee is an apostate, and right now he is, he is they try to talk to him about the taking of the credit for the blood moons, and, you know, he's, he's basically in total... Uh, uh, ignoring them, and so I don't know what that calls it, uh, but if you use somebody else's work, it's just not good. Back to you. Plagiar, it's plagiarism. Yeah, isn't that <laughs> kind of like stealing, you know? Uh, but yeah, yes, it but, is. Yes, it is. but really, there's my point, and that's there's so much garbage out here that they're saying, and they're basing it on those two people's work, but it isn't the things that they're saying. They're not yeah. saying that. It's what all these other people, and believe me, yeah, yeah. They've, yeah. they've got everything from a Palestinian I've, state I've, I've coming heard, I've heard, yeah, I've Go heard, ahead. you know, I mean, when people come to me and they start talking about the blood bones and they talk about the Shemitah, you know, I've got to go back and see, you know, what did Jonathan Kahn say? What did John Hagee say? You know, and I've watched a few of their YouTube videos, and, you know, some of them are hours long, and, you know, some of them are shorter, and, but they, you know, it's pretty easy to see what you're saying is true. I mean, there, you know, Jonathan Kahn is not stating this as he's making a prophecy. But when you listen to everything he says, he does leave you with the impression that there, he's predicting something's going to happen this month. Yeah, regardless of how he calls it, I come away. I come away from hearing him. Pardon? I said there's no denying what? that he feels like that there's going to be a crash this month of some sort. And looking at it, I believe it to him. But neither one of us are saying, thus saith the Lord. That doesn't make it prophecy. If I look at a grid and say, well, my dog, uh, you know, walks across the street three times a day, and so I think he's going to walk across the street three times a day, that's just a prediction. It doesn't mean thus saith the Lord, and there's no harm in it, you know. Um, but yeah. it's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I understand. I understand. And there's a lot of people out there, you know, following, concerned about the Shemitah and the blood moons and all these things have been the same. Here's what, here's what the Lord has been putting on my heart, oh, for several months now, but this month is, just seems to be like doubling down on everything. It's in Isaiah 44. It's 24 through 26. Isaiah 44, 24 through 26. It says this. This is what Yehovah says, your Redeemer, who formed you in the womb. I am Yehovah, the maker of all things, who stretches out the heavens, who spreads out the earth by myself. He says, I foil the signs of the false prophets and make fools of diviners who overthrows the learning of the wise 
and turns it into nonsense. I am Yehovah who carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers. Right. Now, I don't know if John Hagee or Jonathan Kahn or Perry Stone's claiming to be a prophet. I don't hear him saying that. I just hear him making all kinds of crazy statements that I cannot find any support for in Scripture with regard to prophecy. Yes, I know all about the Shemitah. You know, the Shemitah was technically, the Shemitah was for the land. The Shemitah is not for the world. Yet it will be when the law goes out from Israel, but it's only for God's people in the land when they go there. So it doesn't really apply to the United States never is applied to the United States if you read the Bible carefully. It is, the Shemitah is the seven, is the annual Sabbath. In other words, every seven years, there's supposed to be a year of rest. I understand all about the Shemitah. I know everything there is to know about the blood moon sign in the Bible and how it relates to the second coming. But I'm going to tell you right now, based on the Word of God, I think that this month is not going to be anything like we've been led to think could happen. In other words, I think God is actually going to make September a normal, quiet, regular month. Well, normal, quiet these days is like hard to imagine because every month has got some crazy stuff in it these days. But I'm I'm thinking like, no, he's not going to give the he's not going to. He says, I will foil the signs of those that are, you know, making predictions out of their own imaginations. So I'm thinking, like, this month is going to be an interesting month to watch because people are saying things will happen. And I think okay. the Bible is saying, no, nothing's going to happen this month. Now, okay. now listen to Amen. me carefully. Amen. I'm the guy, I'm the guy, I'm the guy that's saying, has been saying to you for, you know, since 2007, there's going to be an Iran war. That's yeah, going to I be agree with that seal totally. of revelation. It's going, to, it's going to take peace from the earth. What I'm telling you right now is it's not going to happen in September. I'm the guy that says when that war starts, there's going to be an economic collapse that's going to make the United States fall into something like a depression. I'm saying that's not going to happen in September. It could happen in October, but it, I'm saying it won't happen th- this month. So you can watch Bible prophecy about everything. What you know, you can figure out what John. If you can figure out what Jonathan Kahn and John Hagee and Perry Stone are saying is going to happen this month, I'm going to tell you this: it's not going to happen the way they say. Okay. Whatever they call themselves, it doesn't really matter to me. Amen. Number I'm one, that God is saying, I'm, I'm not. Okay. 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 I, I have no idea what Perry Stone said, and I could care less. I don't. John Hagee is a false prophet. Um, as far as Jonathan Cain, I've seen the patterns of the Shemitahs and the reasonings why. That's why, um, you know, uh, the, and the reasonings why he says that it's going to that it, a possibility that it could happen, and his explanation about what yeah. you said. Yeah, it was for the it was for Israel, but uh, I I can't go into all that. It'd take over two hours to do that. But the program isn't about it. Right. The point is, is, is uh, I do believe that there's a strong possibility we could have a crash this month. I'm not saying that it's thus saith the Lord, nor is Jonathan Cain. And anybody else is talking about the Shemitah, I'm not necessarily in their camp either. 
because I don't know exactly what they say said. You understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying is uh, there's a possibility. So what? So what happened? I mean, you know, last September or seven years ago, there was an economic crash it happened in September. It happened on the 29th of Elul. Um, right. The, Seven years prior to that, it happened, and it happened on the 29th of Elul. There's a pretty good probability of that happening again. What will you say then if it does happen? Around, it can't happen well, on the call 29th. Me back, I'll let you know. <laughs> but, yeah, well, because call it ain't going to happen. Call hey, me and we'll you, talk you've about got it. a safe bet because it can't happen on the 29th of Elul because the stock market's not open on Sunday. So it would have well, to come. It's not going right. to happen the next day either. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, I, don't I don't. Know. I don't think anything's going to happen. Yeah. At all. Well, let me just say this about John. Okay. Well, you think it's good? okay? We got to go to a break. We'll yeah. Be I, back think, I think. I think. We went past break. Um, okay. Give your website real quick, or tell them how to Google you. We got thirty seconds. Yeah. Just type in uh, in Google Richard H. Perry. Richard H. Perry. You can go to me on Facebook. You can go to my YouTube videos. You can go to my website, Richard H. Perry. Richard H. Perry, folks. And remember, he's the one that said we're going to have September as a peaceful month. And we're going to find out, though, when he gets back about some other things that I do believe that Richard's saying is correct about Iran. We'll be back in three. Dan will be right back. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family. If you have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. 
International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three W's dot thepowerherbs.com. Food prices going up, homes being foreclosed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call This is Pastor Dan Catlin, and you're listening to Mission Watch Live on the American Voice Radio Network. Folks, please pray tonight about a donation for our work with the homeless and poor from our mission church in Wichita, Kansas. We are into a new month. This is the third of the month. Excuse me. We need to restock food, clothing. Well, we did restock clothing. In fact, we've been, we have to drive 100 miles to pick up. Isn't that ludicrous? We have to drive 100 miles uh, to pick up clothing for Wichita from a little tiny town and a couple little tiny secondhand stores when Wichita has a huge amount of people. Okay, folks, if you live in Wichita, you should consider bringing your your donations to Messiah's Branch or clothing because we can use them for your fellow citizens. And that's what I mean. You know, I don't know why it's been so hard for us. I mean, everybody, all the agencies, all the people in Wichita that know us, mind you, know us, all brag about what we do. You know, even the police department brags about what we do. But do we get any help from Wichita? Not really any that you could speak of. A little bit at a time, we do have a Messianic church that we got some guys there that's been bringing us eggs. And uh, him and his dad from, and uh, well, his dad, though, isn't from a Messianic church, but so they bring us a little bit of stuff for a while. We had another Messianic church that was making a donation every Feast of Tabernacles, speaking of which, is coming up. And so we used to get their poor donation because really at the Feast of Tabernacles, it's traditional to donate to the poor um, during that period of time. And so they would give us their uh, uh, Feast of Tabernacles donation, but we haven't got, we didn't get that last year, and I doubt very seriously we're going to get it this year. And usually that Tabernacles donation is a donation that helped us 
to where we could have a really good Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is one of our biggest days of the year. But we really don't get any help from any organized churches or government agencies or even really the citizens of Wichita. We have to rely on people like you that listen to us on radio that have supported us for now that we're in our 16th year that make this mission church work. It's really a a miracle um, what happens because, you know, I'm not a rich man and I'm a preacher that believes that a preacher should be the brokest guy on the block, so I'll spend down to the last dime in my pocket um, to take care of the people. So pray about supporting Wichita Mission Church. You know, this is why we have no set guidelines like programs. People just walk in the door and ask for what they need. And if we have a way to fill the need, we fill it. If we don't, we pray it in. You know, we are the last hope for so many folks. We are responsible to care one for another, as we are our brother's keepers. All donations, no matter what size, helps. And the Father notices all donations that come from where? Your heart. You can donate it online or by mailing a check or money order. And you can find all this information at prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. Or you can call me at 620-878-4682. Now, remember, you can donate online. You can mail a check or, or money order. But pray about it, and we really could use your support or If you don't want to support helping the poor, if you enjoy these radio programs, radio airtime costs and station time costs, so pray about supporting radio. And now we're back with Richard Perry. If he hasn't left me yet, have you left me, Richard? No, I'm hanging in there, Dan. Um, I want to let me say one thing, a headline I noticed a while ago, and then I'll let you run with it. a while ago, I noticed a headline by, guess who, Donald Trump. Um, and he says that the Iran nuclear deal calls for the United States to defend Iran against an Israeli attack. He says if Israel attacks Iran, according to the deal, he says he believes that we will have to fight with Iran against Israel. And what do you think about that? Well, I think you'd have to read the fine print, but there's probably something in there that would, you know, let him say that. Uh, You know, my opinion about the deal, and by the way, like Nancy Pelosi, I have not read the whole deal. (laughs) Uh, You're going to compare yourself to Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, well, I I have to be honest. I haven't read the deal, but I think I know enough about it to know that this is a very bad deal. And Has anybody ran it very poorly? Oh, yeah, Has, well, I think there's a few people that have. I, I mean, it, some, it is, is it available? People Congress. Is it yeah, available? It is. It is. You, you can actually get, yeah, you can get a copy of it. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't get a copy uh, of it through, you know, you know that gov or something. I forget which one, but... Uh, Huh. But basically, you know, you look at this thing from step back from the deal, and even even with a basic, you know, overview, you've got to say this deal financially strengthens our enemy, an enemy that declares, you know, death to America, and we're going to wipe Israel out. And it also it does it, it strength financially strengthens our enemy, strengthens Iran without significantly limiting their ability to project their Islamic revolutionary goals on our allies, number one of which should be Israel. But uh, 
you know, this deal, here, here's, let me just, uh, let me take the story as it stands right now. Okay. Um, this, this week, Obama got enough, uh, Democratic votes in the Senate to be able to override any, you know, that, that would prevent any uh, veto or an override of a veto of his of any legislation blocking this deal. So basically, he's got the deal on our side of the ocean. Now, Khomeini, the supreme leader of Iran, he's insisting that their parliament will, that they must review and vote on this deal. Our Congress, this is the, this, here's the basic schedule. Our Congress is supposed to vote on this deal by around September 14th. Then the Iranian parliament is supposed to vote on the deal by October 2nd. Neither, which, neither of those two things mean anything. The only thing that means anything right now is what Khomeini, the supreme leader of Iran, says, because he's the one that will approve or disapprove it, regardless of what anybody else says. Right. And I think his indications have been that he's not going to sign any deal with Great Satan. He's, he recently said today, he said, there will be no nuclear deal unless all sanctions are lifted. Well, that's like renegotiating the deal, because that's not what, it's, that's not what the deal says. So anyways... The, the whole thing right now, the whole Iranian nuclear deal with between Obama and Khomeini is now in Khomeini's hands. And he, he probably won't even say anything uh, until sometime in October. And if Do you he think turns Iran the already down, has a bomb? Then Obama... Do you think Iran think already a, has a bomb? there's a possibility. It doesn't matter, but, you know, uh, I think they might, but I don't know. Nobody really knows. They certainly right. have the know-how and they have the materials. So, you know, and heck, you know, they could have gotten one made by, you know, North Korea. They could have already devised their plan. North Korea could have tested it for them. I mean, I've heard reports that China and Russia have helped uh, Iran with weaponizing their nuclear uh, capabilities. But, that's, I don't see Iran using a nuclear weapon. I see Iran, biblically, as ambushing the United States, and I think that, that would be ambushing our fifth fleet in the Persian Gulf. And when they do that, I think they will attack Israel. And then we'll see, you know, uh, Iran's allies, Syria, Hezbollah in Lebanon, uh, Hamas in Gaza, and the Palestinians on the West Bank, all attacking Israel. Probably others will join in, like ISIS might even join the fight against Israel, because once you start fighting Israel, it's a whole new ballgame. Right. But the next the thing that I see God has said, and I can, you know, I pointed it out in my books, and I've pointed it out on YouTube videos, where I see God talking about Iran and how they will be the next war and how that war will trigger an economic crisis, and how that economic crisis and war will awaken all the churches, all the households of God worldwide, 
all about the same time, because the, the crisis will be so great. Uh, and I think, you know, my opinion is God has actually said that. You know, he's actually laid that those prophecies out for us. And, you know, you and I both know that when Christ gave the Olivet Discourse and when he inspired the book of Revelation and when he, when he revealed the prophecies about the time of the end to Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Habakkuk, he mentioned a lot of specific things that would happen as indicators in the time of the end about the time of the end. And he said, when you see all these things, you'll know. But people are running around talking about things that he didn't, didn't say. You know, he didn't mention the Smita with regard to the time of the end. He didn't mention blood moons regarding the time of the end. And that is a distraction for God's people. God's people ought to be reading their Bibles to see the things that Christ said we would see. Because, you know, he said all these would be the beginning of birth pains. You know, and he said you would see okay. this. He said when you see all these things, you'll know what, that the time is near. Okay, he, he said we'd. Okay, he said we'd see signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. Okay, well, let me just ask you this then. Per se, okay, I've I've looked at the patterns of the blood moons, and by the way, every time that it's happened on the feast uh, that they talk about, while there was a war or something, it always turned out good for Israel. Israel got more land back. So there's a definite. I mean. Definitely, we're talking about six-day wars, several different, you know, the creation of Israel. These all happen around these blood moon occurrences, and that happened on feast days. Now, you say that's not the, it looks like a pattern, so the pattern's just what, nothing? It's just coincident? Well, I, you know, it could be. I mean, you know, I know about financial patterns, and if you go look at the stock market and the cycles, they go in seven-year cycles. Well, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not All talking about stock market. I'm talking about the blood moon pattern. I'm talking pattern. about financial stuff. But, again, yeah, there are, I, I believe there are cycles, and sometimes you can make cycles where there aren't any cycles. You know, and I, I don't know. I mean, I can't tell you if the Bible code's any good either. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I, well, my specialty I is one well, thing. Right. There you go. There's your specialty. You have a specialty. Amen. All I'm saying is that objectively, people that have spotted these patterns, the the original people, and originally what they said, um, you know, the patterns are clearly there. Whether they mean anything, whether it will mean anything, is, you know, well, I don't know. Um, all I'm saying is, uh, I do know that there is a pattern there. In both cases, there's an extreme pattern, because, uh, I, I, I don't know, I just did the research and looked at it. And, and I'm not, you know, but, but Richard, I do believe what you're saying about Iran. And I'm not saying that, that, that the patterns are right or wrong, because I'm not God. I don't know, but I do know God created the heavens and the moons and the earth and the stars, and he created them for signs for us. So, um, But I don't know. I, I, I don't know if these are going to mean something or not mean something. It's just we'll have to wait and see. Previously on these blood moon yeah. things, something has happened and concerning Israel. Yeah. Absolutely. That 
is there, you know. Um, but as for the stock market, you got all these guys out here that's predicting a stock market crash. Uh, they some are saying September, but mo- some of them are just saying fall. Uh, so do you think that it's going to? Do you think something will happen with Iran this fall that it'll cause it? I don't know. My prediction, I've made it on your show. I've made it you know, all over the place. I've said that three things will happen. Okay, let's While hear it. Obama is still president. Okay, Obama will be president for another year and a half. Right. In that year and a half, I don't know when, I don't know when these things will happen, but these three things will happen. First, the first thing that will happen before any economic crisis will be Iran will start a war, and they'll probably start it with us, but Israel will become involved. Okay. So that's be Iran, Iran, Iran will start a war. It's the second seal of revelation. Right. Take peace from the earth. That's Iran. That thing that happens after that, this is the financial collapse that will happen after the Iran war starts. Our creditors will wake up and make us tremble, then we become their victim. That's a prophecy in the second chapter of Habakkuk. And it connects to war after, uh, and it says our creditors do this because we have shed men's blood. We, the United States, have shed men's blood and destroyed land, cities, and everybody in them. The violence you have done to Lebanon will terrify you. The destruction of animals will horrify you. And you, I believe, is the United States. So there will be... An Iran war started by Iran, then there will be an economic crisis started by the the creditors of the United States, and the third thing that will happen, all these things will happen while Obama is still president, all Bible churches, all the households of God worldwide will all wake up and realize that the time of the end has come. Yeah, and do you connect that to the crisis? Yes, I do. Yeah, amen. So, uh, uh, and this is something I I, I want to point out to the people. There's a lot of folks out there that, uh, uh, and this is one of the reasons I like Richard. And I do. And these three things are highly probable that he's saying. But one thing that you're saying, Richard, you know, we, you realize we also got so many people out there that are talking about not only with this collapse, they're talking about then. Now, here's part of the tact on things. They're saying, okay, well, there's going to be an economic crap collapse and then obama's not going to leave office and there's going to be martial law and all that but the big deal is is saying obama is not going to be a leave office and he will be our last president um on the record do you want to say if he's going to oh, be I, the heard, last? I heard that the other, i heard that the other day no that's not going to happen yeah i, I think he's I'll guarantee, i guarantee think, you that obama will finish obama might not finish his term well right. But there will be another president. There will be another president. Obama might not finish his term because, you know, I think I've told you this before. It says in the Bible that he will stumble and fall and nobody helps him up. But the word in Hebrew for fall is the kind of fall you have when you drop dead. Really? In other words, it's possible when he when he becomes so unpopular as a result of his actions with the Rand that he, yeah. becomes, he gets assassinated. That's a possibility based on the Hebrew language and the, and the prophecies that I'm referring to. You know, he... he but all this is going to mean... Go ahead. Go ahead. It's gonna, 
that's it. I said, you know, he, uh, okay, he yeah. Hey. Fall and nobody's going to help him up. Yeah, amen. And, you know, you know the Obama, and I'm not trying to make a joke out of it, folks. I really am. I have respect for the office of the presidency, not for the guy that's in it right now. But anyway, um, he is so about himself, so prideful, that he sees all these kind of things happen. He could just simply drop dead of a, a sheer heart attack or heart failure because he couldn't take it. You know, and that is saying saying kind of jokingly, but um, yeah, I believe that he may not make it all the way through office because of something. But I believe that uh, otherwise, I believe, and here's I'm going on record because I know I'm on another radio program with somebody that believes that Obama isn't going to leave office. But I will clearly tell you that I believe that, and short of some kind of martial law uh, for race riots or something which race riots could be in the cards with all these cops getting shot, but I don't know. But from what I look, Obama right now is building legacy things, and that's why he may try to force a Palestinian state because he wants it as a legacy thing, just like he wants this Iran thing like a legacy thing, and he wanted to control the water like a legacy thing, and that, that, that list just goes on and on and on, Richard. Yeah, the next thing to happen is Iran's going to start a war, probably because Obama's going to have to provoke them. Then there'll be an economic crisis. Then all the churches are going to wake up and realize that we're in the time of the end. Those are the three things that will happen in the next year and a half. I don't know when they're going to happen. Okay, so we got uh, first war with Iran, and then an economic crisis, and the third one, in simple terms, is the churches wake up. All the churches wake up. All of the churches wake up. Uh, can we? We be okay. safe to say all all be, real believing churches, right? No, 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 no. Even the unbelieving, the unbelievers, really? the whole world's going to wake up. The churches are going to wake up. The Bible churches are going to wake up and go like, "Oh my God, this means that the Messiah is coming. This means the Messiah is coming back." I mean, it doesn't matter what denomination they're in, everybody knows, if you're Jewish, you know the Messiah is coming. If you're a Christian, you know the Messiah is coming back. If you're Messianic, you know both those things, you know? It's like, and they're going to, the situation in the world, when Iran starts this war and the economic crisis follows, will be so, so, so dire, so, so apocalyptic that, you know, people are going to wonder why the rapture hadn't happened. Right. It's going to and be so, beyond our imagination. It's going to be so bad. And it's going to be so bad because all the churches are asleep right now, and they're all going to wake up at the same time. Yeah. Okay. That's how bad it will be. Yeah, you, you said be, this before. Uh, uh, yeah, this is, this is going to be huge. Biblical. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me encourage the folks for a minute, Richard. Folks, I strongly, 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 strongly encourage you to go back to the radio archives and listen to actually all of Richard's previous programs. But um, the previous programs we've talked about, Iran, where he started making this prediction, and uh, I, I think that you really need to, to listen to it. Uh, he gives some very strong scripture for it, and, and uh, there's some other reasons, and you need to go listen to it. Richard, um, in I, I know everything, you know what, when you first said this a few years ago about, you know, Iran and blah, 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 
you know, the landscape didn't look like it at all. But every day right. it's getting closer to that picture. You know what I'm saying? It's becoming clearer and clearer. And it's, and, it, and it's not, and it doesn't seem to be going away. It keeps getting closer. Yeah, exactly. You, that's, you what, that's what I'm saying. If, if, if this wasn't what the Lord was saying. You think somewhere we would have turned left or turned right. No. The economic situation keeps getting more dire. The Middle East situation gets more dire. The situation with Russia, China, and, uh, and the U.S. relations in the world is getting more dire. You know, uh, the divide in this country is getting more more pronounced, you know, like race riots, economic riots, you name it. We've got it here. It's all about to explode. You know, it's like road rage is about to leave the road and hit the streets, you know. We're going to have civil unrest in this country when this economic crisis hits, and there's not going to be a solution for it. You know, it's going to be unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, people. You. you know, Christians have got to. Christians have got to learn to stop listening to you know everybody and start reading their Bible to see what God says to them. Oh wow! Wouldn't that you be know? too easy? Just read the Bible. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, because hey, when I read who, the Bible, who would have thought of that, Richard? Who would have thought of that? Read the Bible. God speaks uh. to me. Yeah, and God speaks to me, and he tells me what to do. But guess what? You read the Bible, God will speak to you and tell you what to do. And he's not going to tell you what he's telling me, but he'll, you know, he's not going to tell you a different truth. The truth is still the same. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, let me just say this before we sign off. And You know, I I put up a lot of stuff on Facebook. I know you've seen a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if people want Richard H. Perry on Facebook, you know, friend me, and that, that way you can keep an eye on it. You can watch the things that I'm watching develop in the world. Oh, amen. Because I use Facebook kind of like 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 a, a picture Twitter, you know, uh, with, you know, I you know, watch articles and things that I think are real relevant. So if you want to follow this stuff, you know, I read your Bible, that's number one. But if you want to see what I'm watching, you know, friend me on Facebook, Richard H. Perry. On Facebook, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, well you know, uh, same thing on Twitter. Today's right, right. We'll do that. Uh, Google Plus. Uh, pardon? I said we will do that, um, but we got to go, Richard. So um, we'll do it again. I'm sure. Absolutely. Hey, after this month, let's talk again. <laughs> yeah, let's do, yeah let's talk about that. Yeah, we can talk about what all didn't happen. Uh, uh, okay. All right. I, yeah. I love you, brother. Exactly. I'll see you later. I gotta go. Goodbye and shalom. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, folks, there are so many things out there that are supposed to happen, happen, and not happening. And you know, clearly, you can see where Richard's heart's at. Um, will the shemitah happen? Um, I strongly suggest if you are going to judge the shemitah or shemitah, whatever shemitah is that you get the, the the original tape of it and see what Jonathan Kahn said about it. And then judge from that if he's right or wrong. The same way about the blood moons. I strongly suggest you get Mark Brutz's DVD and check it out and see exactly what he says. And uh, that's Mark Brutz's El Shaddai Ministries. I got to go. 
prayer about supporting Wichita Mission Church, um, we must remember that there's only one God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His son is Yeshua HaMashiach. He gave his life for repentant sins. He rose after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And through him, and only through him, is the way of the Father. Remember, always, always, always be a blessing to others. Lord our God, Father, King of the Universe, ask in Yeshua HaMashiach's name that the Father blesses and keeps you, and his face shines upon you, and is gracious to you, and gives you peace. Until an hour from now, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. You've just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. To contact Dan on the Internet, go to messiahsbranch.org. To write to Dan, send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Tune in next time for Messiah's Branch. Food prices going up, homes being foreclosed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people. Your neighbors, the mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 316-619-4886. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate in those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand, have a plan, have peace, and request your pandemic kit today. Or take your chances with the bad boys. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 
866-229-3663 or online at thepowerherbs.com. Everyone is afraid of pain. No one wants pain to rule over their life. And you don't want the negative side effects of aspirin, ibuprofen, or prescription drugs. They can lower immunity and cause dependency. Is there a safe alternative? I'm herbalist Wendy Wilson, and I prefer willow bark and meadowsweet herbs to control pain, fever, aches, and inflammation. God's herbs are good, and you won't be disappointed. Call Apothecary Herbs for pain or extra strength pain relief formula, toll-free, 866 866- 229-3663 that's 866-229-3663 international 704-875-8010 or online thepowerherbs.com the ancient Greeks thought time herb provided strength Indeed, the chemical compounds of thyme contain antioxidants, an effective germicide that kills whooping cough bacteria and makes breathing easier. Just imagine what you can do with thyme herb when it comes to respiratory ailments like croup, pneumonia, asthma, and sinusitis. The extra benefit of thyme herb is that it soothes the nerves and stops spasmodic coughing, so you can get some rest. Who says you don't have time to take care of yourself? Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free for time, tincture, and tea to soothe your cough and get some rest. 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International 704-875-8010 or online at thepowerherbs.com. One, two, three. resident herbalist Wendy Wilson. Hope you had a great day. We're here to empower you. Magical engineer Frank and I are here to, um, yeah, give you important information. You just can't live without. That's what we like to do each and every show. We got a great show. We're going to be talking about um, feet. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about the mechanics of your feet. (laughs) And yeah, we're born to run. And uh, we're also going to be talking about congestive heart failure if we get time. Um, and also um, leg veins if we get uh, enough time in. So we got lots to talk about and a quack report. Um, but before before we get into all that, coming up Thursday, this Thursday on Herb Talk, we're going to be talking, we're going to have a special guest. We're going to be talking with um, the inventor of Out of the Park uh, Barbecue Sauce. It's, uh, it's an interesting uh, culinary 
uh, sauce. And uh, if you haven't tried it, you should. Anyway, um, we're going to get the lowdown from um, the folks at Out of the Park Hot Sauce. Uh, they're going to be with us on Thursday, so we'll get their story and how they got started. I think it will inspire people. You know, if you've been thinking about starting a business, hmm, listen to these guys, how, how they did it. You know, it's great stuff. So we're going to be talking with um, uh, the folks there. We're with Scott. He's going to be our guest. Um, also, let's see, coming up, goodness, because we're going to be in October. Don't forget, we're going to have Dr. Carly here on the 21st, and we'll see what else we can conjure up for October in our cauldron of things. <laughs> All right, we've got a quack report, but before we do it, a big salute in Semper Fi, praying for our righteous men and women in uniform. And I'm praying for righteous leadership. I am. I am praying, you know, uh, that God just, you know, rise up. Give people backbones and start saying no to this tyranny and get smart. And uh, it's it's our job to do that. It's his will if he does it, but it's our job to do that. If we come together, seek his face, find the time, because it grows short. So without further ado, let's do the quack report. All right, well, we got the quacker. Oh, the Ebola thing is in the news again. Poor Liberia. They are having problems in Western Africa, and we're going to have to lift them up in prayer. Uh, According to the Washington Post, and uh, the WHO has announced um, a new program to help deal with this outbreak. Um, Probably why some military troops were sent over there. What they're going to do is relocate sick people. with or without their permission, uh, to what they call the community care centers, uh, which only offer a rudimentary care. I believe it because I watched this, um, I watched this uh, show on PBS that they went and they followed these WHO uh, doctors around to a lot of these um, cities, these little towns, and picking up patients and taking them to their makeshift hospitals. And they don't give them any nutritional support. All they give them is drugs to stop vomiting. That's it. That's it. And a bed, maybe. A lot of them were just laying on the ground. Uh, well, here's the problem. They, they, they're, they have about 70 of these community care centers uh, throughout uh, Liberia, but they only have about 15 to 30 beds at most at each of these centers. So according to the CDC and the World Health Organization, they expect 1.4 million cases by January. So that's like one bed for every 1,000 people. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, the numbers just don't work out. The numbers just don't work out. And I, I think uh, we, we shouldn't be in denial uh, here in America if we don't think that this disease, if it gets to the million mark over there, won't impact America or anywhere else in the globe. So uh, get your pandemic kit now, is what I say, you know, while supplies last. Thepowerherbs.com, if you want to know where that is. All right, last but not least in the crack report, um, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of some of these natural products that you find at your health food store. And um, one of them is Annie's. Have you seen Annie's products? You know, a lot of them are pretty good. I like her um, her uh, oil and vinegar salad dressings. Um, not all of them, but some of them. Um, so they don't have any GMOs. They don't have any junk in them. And uh, here's something uh, just sad. General Mills just bought them out. 
Yeah, General Mills. So uh, $820 bucks for Annie's, and she was worth every penny, I want to tell you. But what are they going to do to those recipes and those products? So keep your eyes peeled. You know what I'm saying? Read the label, even if you already know what's in it. No, no, no. New owner, read the label. Keep your eyes peeled out there. And that wraps the quack report. All righty. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Frank. Um, yep. A lot of people ask me what I do in the face of pandemics, and I say, well, I boost my immune system. I take my herbs. I use broad spectrum ones, targeted ones. You'll find all that stuff in the pandemic kit. But I also pray Psalms 91 for what I can't do. I know the Lord can do. So um, you want the Lord to stand in the gap. And he says he'll protect you from the plagues and the um, pestilence, right? So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to get near the Lord, stay there. You know, tell him to hide you under the shadow of his wings. Seriously. So none of that stuff touches you or your dwelling. He promises that. So I encourage you to get in the word and, you know, pray it up. Mm. All right. We're going to talk about our feet today, a little bit about our feet, because we was born to run, folks. <laughs> you know, modern times, they've promoted leisure more than any time in history. And, you know, technology and modern inventions have delivered, you know, some very convenient devices. So, thank goodness not everyone is, you know, sitting around neglecting to exercise their common sense or their body. And the human body is really built for movement. And if you um, are, if you're thinking about going into running, well, you know, we're built to go the distance. If you're a runner, you already know that. Some people are kind of reluctant to get into jogging or running because they fear of wearing out their joints. And I understand that. I understand that. And it's true that while running a marathon, about 90% of the runners are going to sustain injuries. So you have to wonder, how did the ancient people run great distances in just a thin pair of sandals without any injuries? I want to know. Well, do you suppose the invention of the sneaker has promoted a poor running technique and the injuries? I don't know. Do you think? So is it possible that the association of running and painful injuries is really a new concern and really didn't impact ancient man. So what can we learn from the past that can make our future healthier and safer? Let's, let's just find out. I was very curious about this. Now, according to Harvard biologist Daniel Lieberman and biologist Dennis Bramble of the University of Utah, humans were born to run, and um, we got really good at it, according to them. Uh, being able to run was a life-saving endeavor. Uh, you would need to run fast, you know, as a defensive strategy, and you also need to, you know, catch your dinner. So you got to be fast. So most four-legged animals can't outrun man. In, well, they can outrun man in a short distance, but not with regard to a long distance. Humans are designed to outrun nearly all animals. That was kind of surprising to me. I, I never thought of that. So when animals overheat, they cool off by slowing down and panting, you know. 
That's what they got to do to cool off. So humans, well, we cool off by sweating. And there's, a, you know, very little body hair to hold in the heat. So this offers humans the advantage of endurance. So the biologists believe that early man engaged in distance running, chasing animals to overheat and tire them, and then, you know, move in for the kill to eat them as food. Now, primitive hunting inventions came later, making that job whew, a whole lot easier, right? Well, let's talk, let's look at the feet. Let's, let's just look down at our feet for a minute, because another interesting observation, which was documented in the February 2009 journal of the Experimental Biology, is the human foot. It's designed to run with less effort. Uh-huh. So our feet, if you compare them to animal paws, make running more efficient according to this report. So humans have a shorter toe than the animals, and when you increase the length of a toe by 20%, it doubles the mechanical effort it needs to run, you know, what it takes for you to run. So man's big toe is straight, and it's designed as a push-off for running, but an ape's toe, you know, is off to the side. So the design of the man's of man's feet, his foot, and legs all lend themselves for great movement and speed. No animal has this design. So, for instance, chimpanzees and apes don't have the ligaments and the tendons humans have, which are essential uh, for endurance running. And this design also helps man keep his head balanced as he runs. And also to use his uh, glycogen stored in his muscles for, well, an easy 20-mile run. How about that? Yeah. So why all the injuries then, you know? Uh, so if, we, we, if we're designed to run, why do runners sustain these injuries? Endurance running needs to start early to help the body develop those ligaments and tendons to, for support for that exertion. So waiting to run in adulthood is going to stress these areas. So our ancient ancestors did not run on artificial surfaces in scientifically designed and engineered sneakers. No, they ran barefoot or in sandals. Uh, So introducing the artificial surfaces to running is really going to change the biomechanics of running, and it appears not for the better. So the experts recommend that adult runners avoid the strenuous runs and tend to build up to the long-distance runs over a long period of time. They also recommend adopting the strategy for, you know, of a long-distance runner. And a long-distance runner would, you know, periodically take walking breaks. So you should do that. So running on a variety of surfaces in simple shoes will help build up the foot and the leg strength. And running on a variety of uh, simp- in simple shoes, you know, make the shoes simple. Uh, and uh, make sure the surfaces, you know, are pretty natural surfaces and they're not, you know, astroturf. So uh, runner Christopher McDougall, he's also the author of the book Born to Run, he says that he was often plagued with running injuries and then studied the running techniques of the Mexico Tarahumara Indians. And uh, for three years now, McDougal says he runs without the Americanized running shoe, and he has corrected his form and has prevented further injury. So, yeah. 
Makes sense, right? No sweat. That's what I say. Well, you know, our bodies were born to sweat, too. So we have glands, uh, apocrine and eccrine glands designed to release fluids to cool us off, to release toxins. So we sweat when we exert, when we're nervous, and when the weather's hot. So these events stimulate the sweat glands, and they release fluids from the glands through the skin's surface. Now, modern man blocks that unpleasant sweat and smell with cosmetic products, you know, antiperspirants and deodorants. So the health problem that we face is that the ingredients in these types of sundry items can clog our glands and trap the toxins in. So the average antiperspirant or deodorant will have wax, liquid emollients, which, you know, block the gland from sweating, and aluminum compounds, which out of all the ingredients has the highest in volume. So how does the antiperspirant block the sweat? Well, the aluminum ions are taken into the cells, which line the gland duct. And according to dermatologist Dr. Eric Hansen of the University of North Carolina's dermatology department, moisture flows in with the aluminum ion, and it swells the ducts shut, so sweat can't be released. So the average over-the-counter antiperspirant contains between 10 to 25% aluminum, which decreases sweating by a minimum of 20%. So normally, you know, the liver and the kidneys will help remove toxins from the body. However, if those organs aren't working properly or if they're in organ failure, that's 2.5 million sweat glands that you should be using as a backup, but you're using the antiperspirants. Uh-oh. So keep in mind that scientific research has discovered that the aluminum salts in underarm products can also damage your DNA. So that's a concern. We all have it. And, you know, does this stuff get into your bloodstream? You ever wonder about that? You know, our skin is our second kidney. It absorbs what you put on it. So sound reason would dictate that if the average antiperspirant can change or damage your DNA, then that means that chemical ingredient may, and, that, and many sundry items, you know, going to be hazardous to your health, you know? So the cosmetic industry has over 10,000 chemicals at their disposal, and many of them are carcinogenic, and many disrupt our endocrine system and harm our reproductive system. So what is a consumer to do? Well, health authorities and the FDA say the additives are safe, and consumers are not at risk of disease like cancer or Alzheimer's. However, a study which appeared in the Journal of Inorganic Biochemistry in 2013 found aluminum in the nipple fluids of breast cancer patients. So these patients were compared to healthy women with no history of cancer, and the study opened the door uh, to the question, does aluminum in antiperspirants and even vaccines cause breast cancer? So if, you know, if, we could, if, it, if it could be researched and proven, you know, this would be great, right? Right? The, these patients, you know, are, are, are the stepping stone to maybe some truth here. So the study did open the question, the door, uh, do these things uh, pose a problem for breast cancer? So if, if it could be researched, you know, that would be great. But I think that kind of research is discouraged or buried, you know. 
because it's going to have legal ramifications if they proved it does cause cancer. So there is one article, though, that was uh, on, on uh, PubMed, which researchers uh, wanted to see how a breast mammary epithelial cell, that's a breast tissue cell, uh, reacted to the type of aluminum you find in antiperspirants or vaccines, and they reported that there was a loss of independent cell growth followed by mutation of the DNA. So the study concluded that aluminum encourages a sequence of events to trigger or induce stress on the cell, creating an abnormal cell. So they claim the aluminum is not a direct cause of breast cancer, but it can be a contributing factor by weakening um, the cells. Now, another study measured to see if any aluminum from antiperspirants made its way into breast milk, and it did. It was there. Of course, if it is in the blood, you can ascertain it's going to be in other body fluids. So consumers need to be careful of any cosmetic products used as heavy metals are also found in lipstick. So there was a study done by the University of California Berkeley School of Public Health. They tested commercial lipsticks for dangerous levels of heavy metals and toxins. And out of 30 popular brands, they found products to contain about 20% metals and toxins. Uh, to, and it would be a health hazard if you're using them on a daily basis. So their findings were published in the Journal of Environmental Health Perspectives. So goodness gracious, you know, a little lipstick, whoops, can that hurt, right? Well, apparently a lot. Well, I don't know about you, but I feel like I just need to get, you know, back to the basics, back to Eden, if it were uh, possible, you know. Uh, the more I read about how toxic a majority of products and foods are, uh, I'm, I'm going back to living more simply, so our ancient ancestors used essential oils to help them smell sweet. And um, any cosmetics they used were basically plant-based. And majority can, again, be found at a lot of your organic markets. Okay, so look for them. Even natural hair dyes are there. And, you know, hair dyes that are commercial, you know, the standard stuff that you go down and you pick out, um, not the plant-based kinds. I mean, they, they can... They can influence your vision. They can cause vision problems. So I would go with the natural. Now, for a deodorant, you know what I use? I use a mineral crystal or a mineral spray. And I like them so much that I now offer them in the herb shop, apothecary herb shop. So you want to look for them. They're, uh, look for them. They're called Crystal Lux. And we have them in a solid push-up stick. And they come in a small and a large size. And we also offer it in a spray, so you can get it in a solid push-up stick or a spray. And, um, and you will still sweat, but you won't smell, okay? So it's not going to block your gland ducts at all. So the solid sticks, though, will last one to two years. You're going to save a ton of money on antiperspirants. Um, so I say, you know, why risk yourself to heavy metals and the possibility of disease like cancer when there's healthier options out there? Also, just like our bodies are designed to run, so is our immune system designed to encounter and neutralize pathogens. So when you're using antibiotics and antiviral drugs, this hinders this process and creates an immune system that can't run a marathon. So each of us has 
to do our due diligence to protect and support the body God gave us and not to corrupt it. So now's the time. Change to a simpler and healthier lifestyle and cleanse away those heavy metals, those pharmaceutical residues, those radioactive particles that are lodged in your body. And you can do that with my organ cleanses. So uh, use my immune-boosting formulas for the cold and flu that's coming, you know, this fall. I'm going to get it. Um, you know, so build, you can build up a lifelong immunity that way, you know, the kind that nature intended you to have. So call Apothecary Herbs. You can order your organ cleanse package. It comes in a standard or an upgrade. And you can get a pandemic kit for the, or a cold and flu pack. Or don't forget the Dr. Mom approved My Three Amigos for Children to keep the viruses away. So you can call now, toll free, at 866-229-3663, 866-229-3663, international 704-8850-277, or you can visit thepowerherbs.com, thepowerherbs.com. That's where your healthcare options just became endless. Hey, you can get there typing in HerbTalkLive.com. That's right. If you're serious about herbs, you need apothecary herbs. Let's not mess around. No, no, no. All right. So we're going to be talking with Thursday. Don't forget. Let's see. Scott uh, Granai. I guess I pronounced his last name correctly. I hope so. Granai. He makes out-of-the-park hot sauce. He and his wife, Beth, I should say, Beth is involved. She's the woman behind the man. And, um, but Scott's going to be talking with us on Thursday. And um, talking to him off the air, he was such a delight, you know. He's just easygoing. Um, anyway, so he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna tell us how he <laughs> he discovered a hot sauce nobody knew existed out of his refrigerator, just mixing a bunch of stuff together, you know. <laughs> I love it. You know, mom and pop uh, businesses, the cottage industry. I think it's it's here to stay. I'm sorry, this is this is America, and this is how people get started. This is how they grow. This is how they share. This is how they just, you know, profit and prosper. And that's what America is about, right? Americans do things different. They don't always do it the same way. Everybody else does it. We find a way. Well, all right, I know I'm coming up to a break. No need to remind me, and, um, and uh, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to be talking about um, your uh, supplements out there because a lot of people ask me all the time, what's the big deal? What's the difference between all these brands can be confusing. And uh, so we're going to shed some light on, you know, what to look for, you know, so you can come home with some really good stuff. And also we're going to be um, talking about uh, some ancient things as far as whereabouts the – history of chemistry came from, you know, that science really relies on. And uh, we're going to talk about that. And we may have time to talk about veins and how to avoid varicose veins and that kind of stuff. I have congestive heart failure here too, but I don't know if we'll fit it in this time. We might. We might. I don't know. Maybe Thursday. I don't know. We'll see. We're going to be talking with uh, Scott and uh, his hot sauce, but uh, we'll, we'll try to sneak it in. We will. But we're going to talk about your supplements out there. Um, you know, sometimes the stuff that they have on the market kind of similar to pressure-treated lumber, in my opinion. And I guess i got to take a break. Is that what you're sending me to, a break? I'm going to a break. I'll be right back. 
into the original medicine. Herbalist Wendy Wilson will be right back. Don't make the aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704 704- 875-8010 or order online at the three W's.thepowerherbs.com. Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Henry Ford, the automobile. And herbalist Wendy Wilson? Well, discover for yourself. Listen to Herb Talk Live. Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. 
five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom supplements out there in the market, you know, um, how are they making this stuff? You know, are, 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 the, are they baking it? Uh, are they pasteurizing it? Are they distilling it? Are they pressure treating it? How do they make the products they serve as supplements? So, um, you know, if, if you're building up on your nutritional stores, you know, this is going to be important to you. You know, it's sort of like, you know, the, the same thing with people looking at uh, milk, you know, um, the pasteurized, homogenized versus the organic milks. It's very different. Once you process something, it changes it chemically, and so you're getting something very different. Um, so when I look at a lot of products, especially those herbal liquids that we often call extracts or tinctures, you, you have to know how they're processing it because if, they, if they're using a forced extraction pressure method, that's basically similar to pressure-treated lumber. And what happens is it creates a lot of friction and heat. And uh, herbs are very heat sensitive. So um, it, it changes them chemically, weakens the potency. And so um, you're getting very, in my opinion, an inferior product. So pressure-treated lumber actually was invented 70 years ago by Dr. Carl Wollman. He discovered that if he forced preserving chemicals into the wood at a high pressure, it would make the wood last longer and make it less attractive to termites. So how did Woolman achieve this? Well, he placed wood in a cylinder. It was a holding tank, and he depressurized it. He removed all the air. Then he filled the tank with a chemical preservative at a high pressure and forced those chemicals into the fiber of the wood. Now, this is similar to what they do with a forced extraction method, making herbal tinctures. And so... Uh, basically, what happens is uh, they, he drains the tank, 
gets rid of the unused chemicals and then removes the wood. So the pressure-treated wood is more expensive because it resists fungus, boring insects, and it about, lasts about 20 years longer. So, but when you're talking about your herbal, huh, herbal tinctures, you don't want that pressure. You don't want that friction and heat because uh, what you get is, is uh, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, less potency is what you're getting. Um, and the same thing with your, your milk. Uh, when you look at your pasteurized milk, they, you know, they do it with the high temperatures to kill the bacteria. Um, they either flash pasteurize it at high temps for about 15 seconds, or they steam pasteurize it uh, to kill E. coli and salmonella and maybe listeria uh, viruses and pathogens that you can find in uh, beef. Um, they m- may even irradiate it uh, with gamma rays to hinder foodborne microbes from growing. Or they could do a high, ultra-high pasteurization that's like 280 to 302 degrees Fahrenheit for just a few seconds. So it will kill salmonella at about 180 degrees, and, and it will kill E. coli at over 160 degrees Fahrenheit for several minutes. So the flash heat pasteurization, ultra-high pasteurization, doesn't have the heat there long enough to kill those harmful bacteria, um, but what it does remove is the good nutrition. So it kills all the good nutrition, the vitamins and stuff. Um, now let's look at some distilled methods, though. Now some supplements, like especially in your homeopathic realm, they're going to be distilled, offering, you know, the essence of the original ingredient is basically what you're getting. So in the distillation method, it separates mixtures and changes components within the mixture. So in liquids, for instance, you will be, they'll be heated to force components, which may have you know, different boiling points, into a gas phase. And then the gas is then condensed back into a liquid form and then collected. And that's basically your homeopathic liquid. So it represents a process uh, of, a, of a double distillation where it can, they can further separate the components, but um, they call this purifying the properties. So many products are made by distillation, such as your gasoline, distilled water becomes mineral-free, also alcohol, uh, paraffin, kerosene, and other products through distillation. So distillation is believed to first have been used in the first century by Greek alchemists working uh, in Alexandria. So the distillation, uh, they distilled water, is, is believed to have been made as early as 200 AD. And Egyptians used distillation extensively in their experimentation. Um, they wrote about it in some of their books. Um, also, a German alchemist uh, wrote about uh, this distillation. It was called the Art of Distillation, uh, and uh, he believed to have evolved this process from alchemy, which is a mix of science and basically witchcraft. So later, alchemy evolved into what we now call science chemistry. And all you have to do is really look at your vaccines, which are laced with mercury, um, which is basically a favorite metal uh, of alchemists. Uh, and you can see uh, what's going on there. Uh, so now getting back to your forced extractions there uh, in your supplement world, 
basically, you know, they're going to be in stores. Uh, it's hard, you know, just reading the label. You can see what's in it. But how did they make it? How are these herbal extracts or tinctures made? Um, so you're going to have to actually call uh, the manufacturer. You don't want the recipe. You just want to know, you know, was there any heat involved in the process of making this product? That's the big one. Now, there are some other questions. There are inside questions in the industry of making um, herbal liquids as supplements. Uh, you can check out the list. We do have a downloadable question list that you can print off for yourself. You go to thepowerherbs.com and go to the About Us page, and there's, uh, it's called Nine Questions. And you can, it's in a PDF or a Word document, whichever you want. And this will help you figure out if a product you were thinking about buying is quality or not. So it's all about, you, they can start out with a really great ingredient, you know, 100% organic, but, you know, what they do to it after that, you know, the end products, which you're also wanting to know about. So basically natural aging processes rather than the forced extraction process is going to be much better for your herbs. It's a, it's a gentler way to extract the photochemicals out of the plant without heating them, fractionalizing their compounds. So it keeps it a whole food type of supplement, basically. So um, sort of like, you know, aging wine and then cold pressing it. Uh, so there is an aging process that really does help the potency of the product. And unfortunately, when companies go to the forced extraction method, what it does is it helps them um, shorten their turnaround time when they want to fill orders, and they can make tinctures in a day, whereas opposed to making them in 30 days. So there's a time factor there, and, you know, it's a bottom line thing, but then again, what are you really getting? Is it going to really work for you? So uh, I kind of like it the old-fashioned way. Uh, you get more control. It's, it creates almost like a full-bodied herbal tincture when you naturally age and cold press. And I, I show people how to, they can make their own tinctures at home. Um, there's a chapter in my book, The Power Herbs, if you want to know how you can make some tinctures for your family. It's not rocket science, but it is time-consuming and messy. So if you're interested, you can pick up a copy of the Power Herbs book. It's just $14.99, and you'll have 400 pages of herb secrets there. And it's a PDF, so it's an e-book. And so you go to the powerherbs.com website and click under books and newsletters, and you can, you can figure out how to get it that way. So the Power Herbs book is going to help you learn how to do that. So sometimes, you know, the tried and true, the old-fashioned way, what the ancients did – tends to be better. Uh, yeah, the modern way could save you time, uh, save you money, uh, at least the manufacturer. But, you know, what, what, is, what is the end result? What is the product at the end? You know, you had an organic ingredient to start with, but now you've heated it. Okay, so you've changed it chemically. So you've lowered the potency. So now you've got to take, what, 10 times more of that stuff? To get anywhere. So, you know, check out the nine question sheet and you will be amazed at um, how savvy you're going to be when you go and evaluate a lot of the supplements on the market there. Because you deserve good stuff, whether you buy from apothecary herbs or not. You know, you worked hard for your money and you should get some quality stuff. 
And with all these little fine mom-and-pop, you know, vitamin uh, manufacturers being bought up by big pharma, you got to make sure. you got to make sure you're getting what you uh, are paying for. All right, so we're going to talk about a little bit about um, some marketing here because that goes, you know, hand-in-hand with what you're looking at on the shelves. Um, You know, I I was uh, in my 20s. And I caught this interview of a lady who wrote a, a, you know, hot seller, number one bestseller. It was, you know, it was, it was a romance novel, okay? But she was being interviewed, and the uh, interviewer asked her, you know, what makes a bestseller? You know, you know, you, here you are, you're watching this, you're probably thinking, oh, it's it's characters, it's plot, it's you know this, it's that, and you know, writing skill, and it's. It's the picture on the cover. It's none of that. Uh, the the author, the best-selling author, said it's marketing. Marketing makes a bestseller. So um, when you go out there in the store, just remember that when you're buying anything, you know, what's hitting you to pick up that package? Was it the marketing? You saw the ads for it? You know, what is influencing your purchase to buy that item? Because we're persuaded through marketing to select, well, even our next president of the United States, right? We're going to be marketed to when it comes to voting in for Congress here soon. we got a couple of them up for vote here in North Carolina. I don't like neither of them. But uh, we're persuaded by marketing, and that's what it is. We're influenced by that. There's certain techniques in the marketplace and even in politics and even in your workplace everywhere. You probably don't even notice it, but these all influence your decision. Um, And uh, in a lot of ways, they manipulate you. They really do. And what of these tactics, which one of these tactics are used? Let me just ask you, what do you suppose some of these tactics they are using to get people to accept genetically modified foods? Let's, let's take a look and see. You know, you're probably saying, oh, no, no, I'm never going to buy GM foods, right? Right? Well, we've got people, Americans, wanting to go over and serve with ISIS. So <laughs> what's influencing them? Okay, let's check out the, the marketing behind everything. Uh, the marketing industry, king of marketing tactics, really, is to sell you what you don't need. Okay, remember that. The old school marketing often used a salesman who would ask you to voice your objections so he could counter them. So uh, taking the king of marketing a little step further here, we we have tactics that will compel you to accept and make purchases on what you know is wrong. You will convince, they will convince you that wrong is right, basically, and that you're living in times where you see that all the time. It's evident. Right's wrong, wrong's right. So how does marketing accomplish this? How does it get past your psyche, your conscious, to do that? Well, it doesn't happen overnight. It is a continuous exposure to psychological marketing techniques that are called desensitizing, jamming, and converting techniques. So the truth is separated from the equation, and you're manipulated to think the lie is the truth. So let's get down to it. 1988, there's two men, Marshall Kurt 
and Hunter Madsen. They used this psychological marketing technique, and they wrote about it in a book. It's called After the Ball. So the book is essentially, and it's online. You can look it up there. And um, it, it, it changes your mindset. It changes the mindset of the American people from opposition to acceptance on any particular topic. Okay, so the uh, author Marshall, Kurt, uh, he's a Harvard grad. He's a researcher in neuropsychiatry. Hunter Madison, he holds a Ph.D. in politics from Harvard, and he's an expert in public persuasion and social marketing. So in a nutshell, these two get together, and voila, it's uh, their whole system of manipulating people to accept and buy and want what's not good for them. So they change the way you think and feel by breaking your current negative associations with what is objectionable and replacing them with positive associations. So they they prey upon your doubts and they exploit them. So the new technique to get you to accept something you know is wrong and that you don't need is to not talk about it and act nonchalant and normal as possible. So once you accept that, then one by one, the other differences that you may normally repel you become accepted. So they wear you down morally, essentially, and you are, in essence, being seduced. How do you like that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Another book, it spells it out. So how do these psychological tactics work in order to desensitize you? Well, the media pounds you with images on what the public believes to be wrong. However, it is presented in the least offensive way. So the attitude of the masses then becomes, oh, well, you shrug your shoulders, let's move on. So within uh, the new marketing, they also employ fear, and not just fear of the unknown, but terroristic type of fears. So this is intended to suppress any dissent that the public may exhibit. And you are afraid to speak out, basically, to voice your opinion or concern. You become afraid to speak out and support, let's say, your faith, for instance. So political correctness and the hate speech laws were launched on this tactic known as jamming. And the real goal in all this is to convert you from being an opponent to being a supporter of all that is wrong. So how can they accomplish this? Well, they use psychological tactics to change your emotions, your mind, and your will through propaganda. An example is Planned Parenthood, right? This is an organization that has, well, really nothing to do with parenting, right? It's all about stopping that, right? Um, It really goes at the moral conscious there, um, I'm not going to get into it, but, you know, there's some there's some things wrong with how that organization operates, and I, I hope you would check it out. So, um, but let's look at some classic brainwashing. This conversion of the American mindset is planned psychological attack on you. It's fed through propaganda, and um, the citizens are, are fed propaganda basically by the spoonfuls. Uh, through media and social networking. This is designed to overthrow basically any kind of society they want. Uh, 
African American society, the Jewish society, the Christian society, whatever they want to overthrow, this is how they do it. They take all the moral objections this great country has and they corrupt them all. This is known as classic brainwashing. The successful example would be after Obama's first election, the office, um, many believed he was going to make their mortgage payments. Remember that? Propaganda, right? So you deny the truth is basically uh, what all this does. Uh, They rewrite history and they put in lies. They confuse people. They keep people off their guard, off balance, so you don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, This really upsets people. The Americans, uh, they are filled with doubt, and um, then they, they, they kind of aren't sure if the history they were taught was true and accurate, see. Um, and basically, all this is familiar, isn't it? All this is how the devil operates, causing you to first doubt and then to sin as quickly as possible. That's right. So when you always sin, follows doubt. Okay, remember that. And uh, uh, Canada has been subdued by all this marketing as well. European countries have also fallen for it. Uh, So America is a work in progress, um, but the damage is already being done. Um, So we live not in an age of truth. People aren't seekers of the truth. They're not lovers of the truth. There's very few that are. And we live in an age where truth is manipulated and deception is idolized and um, worshipped, basically. So the result is people will believe a lie and wrong is right and right is wrong. So don't allow yourself to be desensitized like this and to give up your moral, what you know is right and wrong. That's a compass and you need to hold on to that. So this is indeed a brutal marketing campaign. But God our Father says we have to fight against this. And, you know, we're supposed to run to the battle. And uh, that's right, because right is the only thing that holds back the wrong, right? Because darkness and light can't coexist, remember? So like-minded people, bring the morality. You know, common sense, bring the freedom back, you know, to America. Let's, Let's all... Get on the same sheet of music with that and not to be desensitized, not to be brainwashed, not to be hoodwinked by marketing because that's what it is. All right. My soapbox for what it's worth. All right. We, we got a few minutes. Let's talk about uh, varicose veins, uh, leg veins. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you see the ads for all these uh, products. You see, um, you know, dermatologists advertising in your local papers about, you know, coming in, uh, a vein specialist, um, you know, uh, uh, varicose veins affects 20% of men and about 33% of women. And according to National Institutes of Health, 25 million Americans have varicose veins. That's one in 40 uh, have this. So uh, according to medical, the medical establishment, they estimate 41% of American women are going to have varicose veins by their 50th birthday. And uh, if we ha- add men to that category, that jumps to 60%. Uh, people over the age of 50 with um, varicose veins. So these are just statistics, but I don't like them. 
you know, um, people between the ages of 30 to 70 actually can have varicose veins. Um, globally, 25% of the Western countries have uh, people suffering from this condition. So granted, normal, abnormal veins are not life-threatening, uh, you know, like heart attacks or cancer, but they do have a negative impact. Varicose veins can be unsightly. They can affect your mental health. Varicose veins, um, especially the lower extremities, um, they do have somewhat of a mortality rate. If you look at the top three countries, we see that annual mortality rate uh, for varicose veins in America is 177. I have 152 in Germany, 148 in Brazil. So these countries with very low mortality rates, um, like one annually, would be New Zealand, Luxembourg, and Norway. And that's because, you know, they eat different and they exercise. They walk a lot. That has a lot to do with it. So I know I'm running out of time. I just need more time. But definitely you want to shore up the veins. Just I'll get to more information on this in another show, but you want to shore up the, 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 the veins and the cell integrity so they don't collapse and bleed and uh, so that the valves in the veins can pump blood up and down like it should. So you want to make sure you're getting some organic vitamin C, some real plant calcium, and um, also use your organic Celtic sea salt that will make sure the cell walls stay nice and strong. That's sun-dried salt, by the way. That's not processed salt. So if you're looking for that, it's on the PowerHerbs.com website along with your calcium formula. And uh, definitely, definitely, if you need some heart health, we do have a cardiovascular section you'll want to check out because a lot of times uh, cardiovascular issues and varicose veins go hand in hand. So uh, check that out, thepowerherbs.com. Call for a free product catalog, 866-229-3663, thepowerherbs.com. It's where your healthcare options just became endless. Okay, don't forget, coming up next time, we're going to talk with Scott from Out of the, Pot, Heart, Out of the Park Hot Sauce, and uh, he'll be amazing. We're going to be chatting it up with him. And I hope you can join us for that. The information presented is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure disease, so seek medical advice, if you dare, from a licensed medical physician before using any product or therapy. I'm your herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Until next time, be well. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.